Uh, welcome to Flat Chat Valorant episode 21. <laughs> There's a total lack of excitement, hype, or anything in that just intro. A just sad <laughs> intro. Just, when, the groanings uh, of a broken man. When Golden Boy was on one of our episodes, uh, when we finished recording, he was like, you know, Bren, you're, you're an okay host, but you just don't do anything that a host should do. You don't, you know, because you don't bring the hype. You don't really have any sort of cadence. You just kind of exist and direct mm. the conversation. And that's true. That's my hosting style. Welcome to Platchat Valor on episode 21. Thank you to Shinobi. You can see we've got a special guest. Shinobi's joining us from Cloud9. Bish Bash Bosh. You know, we're apparently mortal enemies, according to Josh's Twitch chat. You know, I keep predicting against Cloud9. They keep winning, except when I predict them and then they lose, which is unfortunate. <laughs> That's the aspect, that's the way the world works, the way that <laughs> my predictions work. So we've got a variety of questions to talk about, um, but we're going to start, I guess, all about all about you, Shinobi, and talking about Cloud9 in general as a team, because we didn't really have the, uh, the finish you guys wanted in First Strike, obviously, because um, you, you didn't make the main event. Quite disappointing. I think a lot of people expected you guys uh, to make it quite far. Wasn't the case, um, unfortunately. <laughs> Can you shed any light onto like what exactly happened during the, the first strike event uh, for, for this to take place. Because uh, as far as I'm concerned, like as a, as a casual watcher, uh, mm-hmm. in my eyes, like Cloud9 was on an upward trajectory. You guys like had been making yep. improvements in terms of executions. Uh, almost every faculty of the game, you were improving. Um, what, what went wrong in your eyes, though, for you guys not to qualify? Uh, I mean, bluntly, we just played like shit, but... Uh... <laughs> so, <laughs> something something Wyatt actually said when I was watching your guys uh last week. He was like if there was a team that was gonna overthink something outside of the game, it would be us. And uh I think that was a big uh factor. Like when we lost to to Renegades, yeah. instead of just being like, guys, we played bad, like we we lost a lot of like honestly we lost that game on split, we lost because of like individual mistakes. It wasn't really like a gameplay or like a like overarching game plan. And Instead of like looking at it at face value, we were just like, blow it up, just fucking change everything about. Excuse my language, but change everything mm. about how we play. And no, carry uh, on. We ain't sponsored yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. Uh, yeah we just we just like especially too with the changes because um, a lot of how we were using Killjoy was like uh, setups that I I came up with and things that we were kind of using like we would except on split. I think split's probably the only map where we were playing it kind of like not global utility. It was kind of like. Mitch, go here. Like you use your utility like this. Here's our setups. Uh, you lock down the site. We're like on other maps like Ascent and Bind. We were a lot more like we're using the turret, especially on attack. Like we would take map control and then like leave the Killjoy turret, kind of like how you would use a cipher trip, and then we would go back and regroup and like hit hit a position. But you can't do that with the changes. Um, and we yeah, we had like what three or four days I think between the first strike, the first qualifier, and we hadn't played on the the new patch. No excuse because every other team had the same, uh, you know, opportunities. Yeah. I guess right, same equal playing field. But uh, yeah, I mean, we just didn't really feel that comfortable on the patch, and we just played pretty poorly. I would say in the uh, the second qualifier. Uh, talk to me a bit more about the Renegades game then, because mm-hmm. that that was the. It was a really close loss. Even though it says not two, you guys, in my opinion, from the outside looking in, you looked like the best team in that first qualifier. You looked like the best team in North America up until the point at which you lost to Renegades. And it was like a big upset result, but you can see like Renegades are a a team that a lot of other people were having some difficulties with as well. TSM were consistently losing split to them too. 
um uh, and other teams in the league are you know memeing on them which is part of the reason that you know that they're a, a decent team that's given them some yeah. tough results because <laughs> otherwise people wouldn't even bother talking about them yep. um so why was that loss in particular like a blow it up loss is it, is it just because it was first strike and you guys were so close to getting mm. through i mean I, honestly i think that uh it was kind of an ego from some people on the team like we we felt like we were much better than them and that like we we can't we can't lose to this team like we sure we shouldn't lose to this team i mean we didn't like i didn't underestimate them like we did a lot of preparation me and uh, marcus our coach um i knew how they were going to play we had like a good game plan um for split i said they honestly just outplayed us like we weren't really ready for for what they did and a big part of the thing that I mentioned where we said kind of like we overthought outside of the server was like we knew that they from playing at some that was obvious that they had like anti-strated like the way that we were playing like on a set and we were like oh like if these guys were doing this like you know we felt like maybe our play style had been figured out with like the things that we've been doing right. so we kind of wanted to bring something new to the second qualifier obviously did work but uh that was kind of like our, our thought process we just felt like things that we were doing was like we put in a lot of work for the qualifier and like the first one and i think you know we showed that when we're playing a style that we're comfortable with that we can be the best i mean we beat all the teams that people would consider to be the top uh top three top four yeah it was um, an incredibly impressive run yeah. yeah all green all wins up and yeah. yeah up until that one game and yeah i i i agree with what i mean you had said as well shinobi about it being more about individual mm -hmm. i recall i think when we were watching that uh, game live josh we felt the same way that the cloud nine were playing well in terms of the team play yeah there was yeah it rounds. wasn't bad um something i wanted to ask in regards to the second qualifier and some of the role yep. swaps like who who were making those overarching decisions specifically mitch going to cypher seemed fairly unorthodox yeah so he had actually it was something we talked about as a team like we never we never like force anything on on people on the team like we kind of always have like an open discussion um a lot of time i'll lead kind of like this is what i think we should do or like these are like agent compositions that i think can can be strong for how we want to play but uh mitch said that he didn't really feel comfortable playing uh killjoy like on bind um so we had switched him to to cypher um and i don't know we just kind of felt honestly we felt the pressure at the time for for the practice like we we had very little time adjusting to because a lot of the teams still run cypher and we were like one of the only teams that were using like killjoy exclusively and we just did a pretty bad job at uh adapting to the patch changes we had like again we didn't have that much time to play on it so i think it hit our team more and we tried to like change because tens was not really feeling like he wanted to jet op as much uh he felt like reyna was suiting his playstyle a lot more so we tried to like make a lot of these changes on short notice to like make everyone feel comfortable but we just didn't really like get an identity that that fit with like our overall gameplay that that works for us so do, do you feel like you mm -hmm. do, do you feel like you learn things that are applicable in the future like it mm -hmm. what i'm trying to get at here is do you think this is like a general rule that should be observed by teams that they can learn from cloud nine of trusting match results more than uh, like one one game yeah 100 um i mean really when you look at the game the game is always changing like there's patches all the time and like i think unlike in cs i mean uh a lot of teams you know the meta is very stagnant so like you know it's if you're going down in form over a period of time it's probably 
more of a result of like things going on in the team. But I feel like in this game, you could probably have a patch that's just not your patch. Like you play poorly for like a month or two, and then some changes happen, and now you're you're doing well. It's really hard, I think, to gauge in this game like how how you're performing based on like a couple matches. I definitely think that's something that's like to learn from, right? Not not sure. base it on some results. You have to look at the big picture, which I mean, we knew that we just. I don't know. We just we just made some poor decisions and right. uh, it cost us heavily. So yeah, I imagine that it's more difficult in this game to, though to mm -hmm. to try and kind of separate the signal from the noise because yeah, you you have to try and make the changes to stay ahead of the pack and stay ahead yep. of the meta. So yep. sometimes you can just overthink yourself. And it's it's funny because I think we we really did that going into the first qualifier. Like we were the only team that was basically not playing Sova at all, and we were showing that like you can play yeah. You can play in the meta right now without having Sova if you have like a, a good game plan for how you want to use it. Because we were doing a lot of like flash and dash plays with like the breach and the uh, and the jet, and uh, we, were, we were using the breach, I think, in a way that a lot of teams weren't using him. And uh, yeah, we and tried then you to swap back to Sova. For yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's. I think, like, again, you know, like Wyatt said, you know, we got a little bit in our heads. Um, something that we really valued was, like, pairing Breach with Jet. We feel like that's a strong combo. So when Tens was really, like, feeling more like he wanted to play more Reyna, um, we, we were kind of, like, I think if we use Sova, we can kind of, like, enhance the way that we play around the Reyna. But we should have just, you know, in hindsight, we should have just went with what we know and just fix the things that we're, we're making mistakes on and not really care too much about like the changes of the patch and things like that just play our game um mm. but yeah you learn um i was gonna ask um looking in the second qualifier one of the yep. interesting matchups for me was you guys versus space station because you had two full bo3s you played five mm -hmm. maps um, what was it about that team specifically that was uh, giving you guys so much trouble? Because they weren't really, I mean, they were on my radar before, but I never particularly thought of them as a team that could compete at that caliber. I mean, they played, they played a really good game. Um, I think uh, it goes both ways because we don't really practice against them. They don't practice against us. Um, mm. But I think the, the play style of like the tier one teams that you would say, like you know, the top teams, we have more, way more experience playing against them. So we have like a, familiarity with like the things they're going to do and we have a good handle on like how they want to play and some of these these like uh tier two teams like these smaller orgs they have really really good players mechanically and they're willing to just take the fights and they're going to go and take risks and i mean they just they just out aimed us really hard I, I would say and tactically they were they were pretty good as well like on bind i think they had a really good grasp of uh how we were going to play and how they wanted to execute their game plan um and so, and then uh, the first BO3 when we played them on a side, I think we got 2 0 at the first uh, BO3, I, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We tried doing the Cypher experiment on uh, on a set, and we were just like, this ain't it. Let's, uh, let's just run the Killjoy again. And I, I think when we played Killjoy the second time, we we handled them pretty pretty well, I would say. But uh, yeah, I mean, they, they played a good game, and uh, I think that they're a solid team. Pretty interesting, yeah. I, I mean, this. I think we were going to transition to this layer, but I think it's a good question mm. to ask you now, which is, I don't know, if, is the topic title Quick Questions for Shinobi? Is that, is that a, <laughs> a lower third we have? Is that a thing? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but one of them was, is First Strike a good tournament as a player, as a player playing in it? Because one of the things that you've been commenting on 
been hidden on recurring like over and over again it seems like is the fact that essentially this game it moves quick uh, in terms yep. of the patches and in terms of I suppose even a tournament of format, like how was it for you as a player and as a team, I guess, as Cloud9 playing in first strike? Because it was a lot of games if you were a North American team. If you were qualifying in both of them, going through open qualifiers and, and, and closed as well, like a ton of games to prepare for. Yeah, I, um, I mean, I'll sound probably biased when I say this because of the circumstances, but I feel like there should not be like a qualifier that gets you a seed for a second qualifier that you have to then make. I feel like there's very little weight on those results. And I mean, especially with EU, like it's all BO1s, which is an even more egregious format, I would say. But I just think that it's super long drawn out format, but then there's also a patch that happened in the middle of the qualifier. So it ends up being like, we played the first qualifier on the old patch. We played the closed on the old patch. And then it was like, three days till the next close qualifier and we're playing on the new patch now and it's just kind of like a weird I, I, it didn't make a lot of sense to me as a player i mean obviously you have to deal with it and adapt yeah. and you know the teams that are gonna adapt are gonna win in the end right so it's you know it's everyone's dealing with the same circumstances but i just think that the way that they rolled out the patches and the way that they set up like the format of the tournament i don't think was that good like you think of it too like you play way more matches going into the the finals and then the finals is a bo3 single limb bracket yeah and that's just kind of like a very weird format like i would much rather see even if there was more teams in the in the actual finals like maybe 16 teams but then it's like a bo3 single limb like i feel like eight teams you should be double a limb but it's like very i don't know it's like all the time was yeah. spent for the qualifiers and then very little time on the main event sure yeah that makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. I think it's also a particularly interesting um, point of feedback when you look forward to their plans for, for yep. next year as well, which I'm sure we'll hit on at some point and we'll kind of mm -hmm. bring that back around. I, I wanted to touch on um, <clears throat> the final game that you had for a moment because yep. that, that one, I think, was the one that has got the most like fire from the community yep. because it was so different to what you were previously playing. Yep. The game against T1. I was expecting you guys to to win that one. Even after watching you have the shaky performance against Space Station, I thought, okay, against T1 though, T1 play like quite a a slow mm -hmm. style. They've increased the pace a little bit when it comes to bind, but they have the same kind of maps that they like to play. If it mm -hmm. goes towards split, you guys are feeling good. And instead, we we were treated to. Um, <laughs> Yeah, a, a very different look from you guys. Like, again, yep. running the Sova when it came to Ascent and uh, and falling short. And then Bind was this crazy triple <laughs> duelist look yep. with the with the Sova again that yep. we hadn't seen at all from you guys. Mm -hmm. But it was but it was like, we hadn't seen it from you guys, but we'd seen it from a couple of other teams in the tournament so far. Like, TSM were running a bit of triple duelist. Mm -hmm. uh, FaZe were running a lot of it as well because they're FaZe, of course um and it had been moderately successful for those teams mm -hmm. what the hell's going on there <laughs> uh i mean i think that series was going to be hard for us um when you know when we played really poorly in the first uh like the group stage and we didn't get the high seed and we knew that we were playing t1 we knew that they were going to just veto split um right haven's just not has not been good for us um lately it's been a map that we've kind of like strayed away from and we put a lot more emphasis on uh like our split and our, our bind and making our ascent strong um and yeah i mean 
the the bind comp was uh something we had talked about uh playing obviously we, we did not execute it properly at all I, th I think the biggest mistake i mean you can we didn't lose the game because of this by any means but i think us choosing to start on defense with that composition was actually probably a big mistake i think we should have actually played on attack first i think we had a lot more opportunities to to make the game closer and like even though the score was like what 13-8 on both maps i felt yeah. like the games were a bit closer than the score line but we, we did some pretty pretty poor things on bind um and a lot of a lot of rounds in that series were just doing like really uncharacteristic things i don't know if it was like the pressure of the event which would be strange because we have a pretty experienced team um but we were we were losing like 4v2s that we would never lose like in other matches and uh, uh we just like we were really sloppy just played pretty poorly and I, I think t1's a really good team i think people underestimate them a lot um so i wasn't uh like obviously it's disappointing not to qualify but i wasn't too distraught about losing to them because I, I i think they're good so it's like mm. we just we just played really poorly in the second qualifier and in the format like this if you have a bad bad day bad run of form it's gonna haunt you so what 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 was your experience with that composition is this something that you were intended to run kind of pre-patch or something you'd scrimmed so, a lot of it was like some hidden ace in the hole or was this like I a mean, we're kind of boomed let's go for it <laughs> We uh, honestly, we had never we had never practiced that comp before, so it's pretty pretty ballsy, I would say, to to pull that out. I mean, obviously, sure. yeah, it did not work, but we've done it before in the past. We've ran the yeah. the triple sentinel comp against sentinels on split when we'd taken a right. map off of yeah, them, yeah. and uh, pop flash is not a composition that we'd ran before in practice. We've yeah. actually we've actually had quite a few comps that we've we've played in in tournaments where we haven't practiced them, but we have uh, an idea of how we want to play. And I, I think a strength of our team is that we are pretty adaptable. And a lot of the strategies that we run are, are on the fly. Um, a lot of things that I'm, I'm calling in the mid round and just kind of like how I, I'm seeing the game. So even compositional changes like that, um, things that I'll take the credit and the, the blame for. I mean, sure. Mitch, Mitch, like, so basically what had happened in that game was uh, we felt like we wanted to, we needed the Phoenix because of some of the things that we were having problems with in the, the earlier matches, like against PlayStation without having the Phoenix because we were running Raze and and Reyna and then we did like Raze and Jet. Um and in our practice we were running a lot of Phoenix Jet or Reyna Raze and we felt like we kind of needed the the Phoenix to do some of the tactics that we wanted to run. Um and then Mitch was not very comfortable playing Cypher. So we we're like okay sure. like go ahead and play the Phoenix. Like I you know I trust you we had like this idea of getting orb control and just getting a lot of orbs on on mitch and feeding him the the orb sure. so we can get a lot of ults up and then it's a very strange situation like he also wanted to be able to op so we were thinking maybe even putting him on the jet so we ultimately went with phoenix and then there's like five seconds left in the uh the agent select and we're like all right tyson you're gonna play jet and he's like i'm gonna play reyna or so it's something like this and he just like locked in and we're just like <laughs> all right like, let's go <laughs> so <laughs> So that was, uh, yeah. But that sounds like, that to me also sounds like pe people will listen to that and think that's <laughs> mad that these guys are yeah. figuring out what comp they want to run like three <laughs> seconds before the game begins. Yeah. But I assume that that's also a product of the fact that you guys believe you need to make adaptations because yeah. you feel like you were struggling like you had lost the renegades yeah. then you'd lost the space station it, it's like a compounded belief that what you were running isn't going to work so you need something new yeah no 100 i mean that's 
whether or not that's like the thing to do is obviously open to debate. But uh, sure. I mean, we we've never felt like not confident in what we want to do. Like it wasn't like we were like shit. Like we we know we're gonna lose if we play our comp. Like let's try something different. It was more like we felt like the idea that we talked because we talked about it quite a bit. It wasn't like we went into the game and then like sure yeah five minutes before the game we're like oh let's just like play phoenix or whatever like we had talked about it the a couple days prior because we were we were kind of feeling like we were going to play c1 um for the bracket um especially when shot up uh was out right so he was uh he was not playing with immortals yeah. for the rest of the bracket so we kind of knew we were going to play t1 so it was something mm-hmm. that we had talked about um we didn't get a scrim unfortunately because of the time of like when our matches were so we were unable to find a warm-up so it was probably like instead of sticking to this plan that we had talked about, we probably should have just like went with our old comp, even though it wasn't working, but it's, you know, it was just, we felt confident, but we just didn't execute it properly. And again, like we did play, we played pretty poorly in this match, like overall, but I think a lot of our downfalls come to our individual mistakes that we make in these games that are uncharacteristic. Like, I think mm-hmm. we lose a lot of like the pistol round on this game. We're in like a four V two and where our comms just like collapse, which is like really not something that's like happens to our team that often. So I, I don't really know what was going on in these games, but it was just not, we we're not playing like ourselves. And teams just play better than us, to be honest. Um, it happens. Yeah. Sure. Definitely yep. does. It comes down to sometimes. I mean, yep. this is where I bring up the elephant in the room. Is this where we talk about <laughs> the, the rumors, the cloud nine rumors? <laughs> I mean, I think it's yeah. logical, isn't it? It's logical. You don't have to. T- you don't have to talk about it, Shinobi. I know we uh, mm-hmm. we yeah. briefly mentioned it as well. Um, there's not a lot you can talk about with this, but yeah, there are yep. uh, rumors of of some team movements, uh, and mm-hmm. this is going to go one of two ways. It's either going to be a very nice awkward segment sandwiched <laughs> in the middle of the podcast, or it's going to be uh, a fulfilling one. So uh, take it away, lads. Yeah, go on. Why it can uh, address the 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 rumors? I haven't actually oh. been been well, keeping so, up I with mean, it. Well, what I, what I had seen basically what had started this rumors, as is always the <clears throat> the case with these roster rumors, is someone on Reddit is watching someone's stream, and on someone's stream, it shows their friends list of people scrimming, and it was showing a Cloud Nine scrim where they're playing with Profi um, instead of who knows and scrimming Immortals. So then that spurred the uh, the thought that Cloud9 are making roster changes, and that was a big upvoted post on Reddit yesterday. So it's, yeah. it's kind of a, I guess, big pressing topic at the moment. If there's any, uh, I don't know, take it away, Shinobi. Or <laughs> take just it de- away, just Shinobi. De- or just, Shinobi. just deny it all, uh, <laughs> confirm it all. It it's up to you what you want to do. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I can't, uh, I can't uh, talk about uh, anything... Uh, cloud nine moving forward but uh yeah, we'll see see what happens yeah do you think do you think a lot of teams will make roster moves after first strike though do you think that the mm-hmm. um the like upcoming announcements for 2021 teams that either didn't qualify or want to mm-hmm. like is now the time if you were to make moves if anyone in the scene was to make moves to to kind of get mm-hmm. the the perfect roster for next year <sighs> I think it all largely depends on if teams are going to be willing to change players like multiple teams. Like, I think if you're if you're a team that didn't do well and you're like, we want to change and make a roster change, there's really not a lot of people to get that are like not a risk, right? Obviously, you know, 
if it's high risk, high reward, right? You get somebody who's unproven and they, they do really well. They're going to be like a superstar, like a diamond in the rough. But uh, I think for a lot of the top teams to want to make changes, there'd have to be like destinations for these players to go to. That's like, makes sense, right? Like if orgs wanted to switch out players, but I don't, I don't think a lot of the teams will, will change people um, right now. Mm. But uh, I mean, the thing too is like, even though it is a big tournament, right? It's a riot event. It's first right. There's so many tournaments that are going on. Like, I really think yeah. like looking at this one tournament, like in a one-off is probably not, um, <clears throat> it's not the end all be all. Obviously, you know, yeah. it's a big tournament, but there's been a lot of big tournaments and teams have failed and they haven't changed players. Like, True. I don't know at what point you, you draw the line. Like the kid, this is like the catalyst. Like we're going to make a change here. Um, you know, the scene's still new and developing. Um, I think yeah. once with like this series coming up now with like with Riot really stepping in and being like, hey, like here's like a big year long plan that we're going to run. I think you might see teams make changes more because they kind of know what's next. Right. They kind of have like a timeline mm -hmm. in mind. Um, but going into that, you know, I don't know if a lot of teams will make changes. Uh, we'll have to see kind of how all the teams perform in first strike and how much value they place on the event itself. That's uh, something mm -hmm. to, to keep in mind. I've got a, a tough question for you here, Shinobi, but I'm sure you've kind of heard some variation of it before from either the community yep. or, or from people within it. Is a, a common criticism leveled at Cloud9 is that it's kind of insane that your team hasn't been able to win tournaments yep. when you have tens on the roster. Like yep. Tens is such an insane player that you would expect any team that has him on that roster to be... Mm -hmm at least punching at your level where you're like, yep. you know, reasonably, even after going out of first right, you could still place you guys as like third best in NA genuinely yep. over the over the past three months. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's been either, you've kind of been at third best at best yep. across uh, across the entire period of time. Mm -hmm. um, what, what, what would you say to those criticisms? Do you think that's a fair criticism to level at your team? In some extent, I would say. I, I think, um, I, I mean... Yeah, it's no secret. Like when we play to our level, we're—I I think we're the best team in NA. When we play to that peak, but we just don't reach it that often. We're very uh, up and down. Uh, I, I think a problem that we have is we we do play to the level of our opponents. So when we play better teams, I think we play consistently close games. Uh, and that I don't feel like we ever really get like blown out by any team. Like I don't feel like there's been a series where we just like get completely wrecked or we lose like 13-3 or something yeah um, no i don't think so but, whereas whereas actually you could say that about teams like envy who do get mm -hmm. actually wrecked by sentinels you mm -hmm. tend to stay close with all of the top yep. teams from my memory yep. i would say like something obviously that the community can't know is like how inner workings of the team are like T tyson's obviously an insane player and like he's like the definitely the best player that i've played with mechanically and he's by far the best player i would say in in valorant at the moment like just in terms of skill but having the best players on a team doesn't make you the best. Like there's so many intangibles that people don't see. That's like not in the server, not reflected in like scoreboard or any of these things like communication. Like the reason why we lose a lot of the time is comes down to our decision-making and our communication. I would say it's mm. sometimes it is definitely fragging. Like people definitely have off games and I'll take a lot of that criticism where, you know, sometimes I'm just not playing that well individually. Um, and that's definitely, it also it's like a problem and it's something that, can be why you lose games but i don't think that's like the number one reason that we lose matches i would say it comes way way more down to uh our decision making and how we we play out the rounds like i think we get into a lot of good situations and we don't always uh close them i'm thinking like uh, 
in my head, I'm thinking about this match against TSM on Split, the uh, the epic almost comeback from them on uh, the, oh, yeah. the, the semifinals in the first qualifier. And we're in like an unlosable 2v1. Uh, Mitch uses the Killjoy ult. We push Haze all the way back to CT spawn. And then we just like solo push into CT and give him a 1v1. And then we end up like losing the, the 2v1. And it's like, we could win the game right there at 13-6, but then we make it like really difficult on ourselves and we have to play... 13-11 now, right? Um, yeah. But I think any team that has 10s would be a better team, I would say. He's he's just that good mechanically. But I think for someone like 10s to be, like, the best player, like, period, like, overall, not just mechanically, I think he needs to work on his intangibles. I think that's something sure. that we've been working hard to get him to improve on. Um, and the thing about 10s, too, is, like, this guy has no ego at all. Like, he's probably one of the most humble players i've played with uh he takes criticism really well and he's just like a general like nice guy like you have to like i, I don't know how someone could not like him or, or not respect uh his game he's just like mm. a really really good person um i think maybe sometimes he should have the killer instinct and demand a bit more and have a bit of an ego because i feel like some of the times you need that as like a star player like i know exactly what i need to do to win the game like i need you to do this for me so we can win right, right. Um, where i think he's like more of a passive person where when he's really feeling it, he'll be like that, but it's kind of like a coin flip as to whether or not he's going to be like super zoned in and be sure. like really alpha. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I mean, it sounds weird though, but that is so true. I feel yeah. like that's more true in Valorant than it is in the game like CS yeah. as well. You really need to tell your teammates what mm -hmm. you want them to do for you. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's much harder to, you can even tell this when you go and play ranked or something. If, if you want, to set someone else up to do something. It's much easier when they tell you yep. what they want you to do in order for them yep. to succeed. Uh, and Valorant is so much of a game, I feel, where mm -hmm. individual players need to be calling their own yep. plays a lot rather I than mean, one big IGL. Yeah, I mean, communication goes both ways, but I think the thing with this game is, like, in CS, obviously, like, a lot of the players that are at the top are, are CS players, but, uh, like, in CS, it's like everybody has the same the same kit. So if you need something to be done, it's like anybody can do it pretty much, mm -hmm. right, if you're in the position. But in this game, it's like there's so much more like, okay, if they, they do like this kind of execute and they have these ults, like what are the best agents to deal with this hit? And you have to be really thinking. Like, obviously, you can just like hit your shots and, and win the round but because uh, it's an attack shooter. But, you know, the, a, big, a big part of that comes down to, you know, having plans and knowing kind of how you want to use your abilities with each other because – the abilities are OP in this game. Like you can win yeah. rounds just off of good utility, like straight up. Like you have a breach ult and you get a good timing, you hit a four man ult, like you just win the round. And you don't really have there's no like gunplay involved in, in really winning yeah. that kind of round. So it's like that's something that's unlike CS, like where you know every person has, you know, flashes like, hey, I need you to flash the spot for me. Can you do it? Yeah, no problem. Like this game it's way more like making the best of the situation that you have based on like where people are right you can't always have the luxury of getting a smoke down getting a flash or a teammate you know mauling out of position like you really need to be adaptable i'd say in the in that regard which i think also part of why you see a lot of teams in the meta now are just like doing a lot of five-man executes and just running it down is because the abilities are so strong and it's also it's pretty hard to default efficiently in this game a lot of the time because of like how spread you have to be with some of the map design and with them changing like sentinels it is kind of like like right now i feel like the meta with sky too it's like it's gonna move to a faster paced kind of game for mm -hmm. for now until they they change some of these things i personally don't like the direction of the game in that regard i think it's like too narrow with like 
the the wind conditions of like how you can play right now but right again it's just you have to adapt and, and make the best of the situations so let's let's talk about sky for a little bit then that's yep. one of the one of the things coming up like it, I, I, in terms of a viability as an agent like, do you think this is going to be almost like a must pick for a lot of teams? Because she seems, her kit, she's got a lot in it, right? I mean, yeah. she's got everything you could really want out of an agent. But it's it's almost like the jack of all trades, master of none, where mm -hmm. she can she can flash, but they can be killed. Um, um, yep. And you kind of, you know, you can't really push off your own utility in a lot of ways. She definitely mm -hmm. seems like uh, something that in order to maximize your impact by playing mm -hmm. her, you need a team that's going to be coordinated alongside yep. you. So what have you noticed at least from, from playing in, in scrims? Is she so, is she getting up there in terms of being like a must pick? So we actually haven't because of the, the qualifier, um yeah. like second qualifier, we really didn't play a lot of Sky. We played against a couple teams that were in the um like they already qualified for the finals and uh most of the time they, they didn't play Sky out of honestly just to, to help us out. Because cool. uh, it was hard, because you know, there's not a lot of teams for them to practice against, so they maybe they didn't want to show everything. We, but I will say, we played against Renegades on Haven, and they were running Sky and Sova, and I've never been more balding in my my life. <laughs> <laughs> it was so annoying to play against, man. Like you're just playing in garage. I'm getting wolfed. I'm getting droned. I'm getting flashed. I'm getting like yeah. just Demogorgon from the old. Like they're just everything is being <laughs> thrown. <laughs> it's uh, I don't know. She's pretty. She's pretty annoying. I would say. And I think. Like the thing that's the most broken about her, I'd say, is the fact that her she tells you when someone is blind. So like you don't even yeah. have to like you don't even have to really like know someone's there and flash them. You can use the flashes just like for information purely, yeah, right? Like that I is think crazy. someone might be in this spot. Like let me just throw this hawk out and just pop it, and then she tells you that someone's there. It's uh like at a high level, that's pretty broken, I would say, because good players are gonna run with that information, right? They're not gonna just like. Like it, it means a lot more in like a pro setting than it would oh, be in like absolutely. a rink game or a pub. Um, but I, I think she's she's really versatile. So I think there's a lot that you can do with her. Um, I actually don't know how how accurate this is, but I had played in the play test that they had done with Icebox and Sky, like the closed uh, like the pro player little yeah. thing that they did. Um, I felt like she was pretty garbage when I played her in the play test, but. Like, I swear, her flash is much faster. The blinding thing was not in the game, like, in the playtest. So they added a bunch of stuff to her her kit to make her stronger that, like, was not in the playtest. And it was, there was no so mention the of it. it's the pro's fault. The pros tested her <laughs> yeah, and said, oh, good. no, she's not that good. And so they were like, buffer yeah. all the way. I, I mean, I could be completely wrong about that. Like, it could just be, like, placebo or just me not remembering. But, like, I feel like... She was not nearly as good as as she is right now, especially also with the the overall flash change with like the the time that like the fade timer is like a lot longer oh, yeah, now, yeah, right? Yeah, Where yeah. you stay blind and then like her flash duration is also just like insane. Like it's it just, is very long, and you get a free flash every. I don't know. It's kind of. I'm, I'm glad I'm not having to play Icebox in this event <laughs> with with Sky. I'll say that. But. Yeah. yeah. I've been watching a lot of the uh, tier two teams, but well, I say a lot of them. I've been watching three or four tier two teams play Icebox in North yep. America because they played it in the NSG tournament that yep. happened just this weekend. 
and the range of compositions that people are playing is enormous it's yeah. much bigger than any map even when those maps were first released like even when i yeah. don't know split was first released or ascent was first yeah. released there wasn't such a range of compositions being yeah. used it feels like icebox people are especially with the sentinel changes yeah. so that now you don't necessarily have to watch the mm -hmm. flanks with sentinels yeah. it seems like people are down to run anything and sky is one of uh, yeah. the the agents that people were trying to get value out of uh, and mm. the amount of um space that you can make over on the a yeah. site and information that you can gather by hopping the uh, the the birds over the walls yeah. is really large it's it's very interesting to see the value that people get out of her long term yeah. I think I think people are gonna play Sky like some of the like for instance that Renegade scrim like some of the things you can do like you can be long C on Haven and you can flash over the building and blind all of the site like from the bottom of long and like you can do that on bind you can do that on ascent like a lot of these maps that have these high roofs like you can just throw the bird over the building and just blind the entire site and it's it's pretty broken I would say um, because like even though you can shoot the bird obviously and break the flash like really easy to break the flash like people I think are gonna it's like a skill ceiling agent. Like the more, the more you understand like how to use her kit, like people are gonna find really good flashes and ways to use her, and it's gonna be really hard to to deal yeah. with. Um, yeah, you can also put the bird in the mm -hmm. fucking sky, where <laughs> it's kind of difficult yeah. to like yeah. flick upwards and destroy a bird that's yeah. flying at like a, an AC one thirty above you. Especially if teams want to also play like Rays and and Sova. There's just so much like shit that's being thrown at you at the same time that you have to like break and and deal with it's like that's like what makes her it's not just her it's like the combination of uh of agents that you can play together that makes it like really difficult to deal with i would say um inherently she's obviously good but uh yeah and then for yeah. icebox i i have i have no idea what the the go-to comp would be on that map uh yeah. you can make an argument for a lot of a lot of different agents i would say i, I think viper mm -hmm. is actually quite strong on that map um just because of the way that uh, the like the, the map architecture and the design, like it's not that easy to get like good omen mm. smokes on a, on a site to like really block angles. But with Viper, you can really like isolate at least a good portion. Like on the A side, you can cut the site in half, and at least gives you like opportunity to push in. Um, yeah, yeah. It right. seems like That's a lot of teams are trying to use Viper. Right? Yep. Ice blocks is ice blocks as a map is the, the kind of design of it is mm. <laughs> really hard to clear out areas. <laughs> Right, yeah. so it's it's yeah. it makes sense that Viper would be good, just the ability to kind of like separate mm -hmm. a, a site out and kind of just I guess take it one step at a time with the wall, things like that. Mm -hmm. I I mean I like Icebox, but that's only because no one knows how to play on it at the moment. Yep. In in just ranked, free yes. Yeah, it is. It is yes. just free, free games. Well. Yeah. Uh, but I can a hundred percent empathize with a lot of the pros who don't like it because it is mm -hmm. so different to any other. Yep map that has been released in like i th just think i in tactical mm -hmm. shooter history it's uh, yeah. well maybe not history but the, it, it's it, it, there's so much high ground there's so many weird yep. like angles and certain spots it is a very very different map um and mm. i mean josh we were talking about this the other night you were saying you were watching yeah. some of the icebot games and you were like it's just chaos and i'm like well is that not just because it's a new map but you said that you think it's like it's not justified that it's a new map that it's chaos it's like the map design itself yeah i think it's a i think it's a bit of both to be honest because when when you see the other maps being released it's pretty obvious like which areas of the map you need to take control yeah. of how you're going to take control of them there's a bit of a 
a decent idea like right from the off of how to play the map and then it's about refining it and about like strategy either way and this map is much more of um because there are so many different areas to clear and and um the a site has a billion different angles but the b site if you go towards that is incredibly cramped to go through green so you you have to use utility to try and get through green if you want to play there but then you also need to clear out a aggressively at the beginning like it the the map when you're attacking seems to you you have to run like a very basic default or just burst immediately and if you run a default you're just so split across the map and you're so uh, at a disadvantage in every angle that you check that the attackers are I think we'll find it really difficult unless your players are just a lot better than other players um, to be able to actually find like a foothold. Like I feel like teams will just end up bursting into these sites because defaulting is just so fucking hard. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing too with the map is like there's a mid, but it's not really like a traditional mid at all because it doesn't actually... Like in most maps, if you think about how they would be played, at least like in CS, and then, I mean, you could say like Bind's probably the one exception because the the mid is like the the teleporters right like using the teleporters is kind of like how you get access to like quick avenues between the sites but this map it's like if you go toward b or you took mid control it's not like easy to just go a or b off of off of taking mid like the mid is like this whatever this is this kitchen area and like the the bottom it's it's not very i don't know i feel like they have to do something about the mid portion of this map because I feel like it just feels like super out of place with like what the rest of the map mm. is, is trying to It's do. just a lurk avenue. It's not, yeah. you, yeah. you can't, you don't take control of mid ever because there's a ramp at one end of it as well. So like what, yeah. you have to dominate their entire spawn <laughs> in order to control mid? That doesn't make sense. Yeah. So you can only really, I mean, the, some of the best um rounds that i've seen so far mm-hmm. from the tier two teams are where they put a lot of pressure on one site to force rotations and then they yeah. manage to get a lurk through mid someone through tube yeah. or someone through mid you know normally they'll start off by breaking like the killjoy utility yeah. at the beginning of the round and then they'll put a lot of pressure on one side of the map lurk somebody in behind and get big value out of the lurk mm-hmm. where i could see that being interesting you know somewhat similar to i don't know like a little bit about how how nuke works where you're trying to put pressure on different areas of the map in order yep. to get someone into a hidden position i i could see that being um a, a, a somewhat interesting idea but just the fact that that lurker then has to check seventy-two thousand angles as they roam around the map and they're just doing figure eights with their crosshair as they look up and down and left and right is it's so difficult it's such a weird map yeah i i think like if you look at like map, like I think Ascent is probably the best map in the game at the moment, and I feel like the reason my my reasoning for that is at least like it feels like a map that the win condition is like not just one playstyle. Like I mean, granted, this could be because people haven't figured out how to play Icebox. Like there could be some like crazy, you know, really intelligent way of like working the rotations through middle and splitting the map that like people haven't done yet. Um, you know, because the map is still new, and like you know, we'll see what happens. But Ascent is like. You can you can rush on that map. You can split mid. Like you can like slow the game down. You can do like crazy splits through like dirt into heaven. Like there's all these different like things you can do. You can fake sites. Like it, it's a map that to me like the design of it makes a lot of sense and it it caters to multiple different play styles. Like you can be aggressive on CT side and there's like 
obvious options of things that you can do right like there you can play defensive you can use the doors like there's all these like little nuances of things that you can do where like on icebox i just like i don't see like the same gameplay uh like the possibilities to like these other mm -hmm. maps like a set um even like bind is a weird map but i i actually think like the more i've played the map it's like the play style is like you don't want to just like get caught in transition between a and b you really need to like think about the map in terms of dominating the teleporters in my opinion which yeah you guys have some really interesting mm -hmm. reads on bind it's it mm -hmm. it really is only you guys that play with the teleporters that yeah. much which... and i i like it i think it makes yeah. a lot of sense to do like sand crunches mm -hmm. based on yeah. hookah timing what, what i would also say itself. is like I'd probably say a big reason why we actually were worse in the second qualifier is we kind of strayed away from using the teleporter as much. Like if you watched our rotations in the space station game and in the T1 game, we were way more like rotating through spawn and not like not doing this like overstacking one site. And then when they hit the other, the weak site, we just hit the TP and we're just like crunching them, right? Like that was something that we did a lot against Envy in our in the finals and against uh, TSM as well. And it was a lot more successful than the way we were playing in these other games um and yeah i think that's like a unique design of this map but i think the more i've played it it's like it makes sense like i, I think it's a pretty decently designed and well thought out map uh which at first i hated bind i thought this map was terrible hmm. and uh, i did not like it at all uh but it's it's grown on me as a map you, um, yeah you, you don't think that'll be the case of icebox though just in general i no, mean you, what you're no. what you're saying with bind is like <laughs> so it, it's just not good Icebox hey, I, gets I, the not good seal I, from Shinobi. I think, okay, like, I think it's a little bit better than what I thought. Because when I first played it, I thought it was the worst map ever, like, designed in gaming, just period. <laughs> I thought this map was just the worst map you could possibly make. Like, it was just, like, it felt like a, a Halo map being forced into, like, a C, like CS. Like, it's just, it was very strange to me, the way that it was designed. But, like, I've played it a bit, and... I still don't think it's good, but I think it's uh, it's definitely fun to to mess around on and play mm. like in ranked and in pubs and things like this. Like I think it's just a fun map to aim map on, but yeah. I don't. You don't, you don't really think know. with enough time though, like the, the, this, you could see like an evolution of the way that the, the map is played. Um, yeah, I, I and, think for sure. I think yeah. uh, I also think it'd be unrealistic to think that this map does not get changed in any way, sure. like in terms yeah. of its layout. I, I feel like Riot will do something to the map at some point and, and make some changes to it. Like, I don't think that the icebox we have now is the icebox we'll have in six months, but uh, yeah, I think there'll definitely be evolutions. I think teams will start to figure it out and, uh, and play. I mean, if you look at a set, like people had no idea how to play that map when it first came out, people were like, not sure how to use the doors and like what the yeah. best way to approach. And then you saw this like Odin spamming meta come out where people were just like fucking playing B with the Odin and just like dominating B main. And then, people figured out how to play around it. And then you saw a lot less of the Odin, Odin at B now. Like, cause people are way better about knowing how to like, not just run in and get spammed by a Sova dart and just get mowed down. Like, I think you'll see a lot of these uh, meta shifts on, on Icebox. I just don't know how far we'll go. We'll have to see. Yeah, I think just listening to, to you guys talk about it, it seems like the biggest issues with it is that it, the map design itself strays so far from like I, I guess how the game fundamentally plays yeah where you you can have so many different looks on the rest of the maps but icebox is so radical 
that mm -hmm. you kind of it, it forces your hand almost in terms of how you're yep. supposed to play on the map to to, to kind of mm -hmm. get through a lot of the narrow choke points or to try and open up the map itself so yep. it's uh th that's kind of one of the main limiting factors i don't really know yep. how they fix that without overhauling yeah. the map a lot i mean i think uh, that's actually yeah. kind of inevitable though yeah. Yeah, i agree <laughs> yeah. with the like the six yeah. months we won't be seeing the same icebox yep. i think that's probably true i mean uh, it's hard to really know like this could be wrong when i say this but until we see more maps from from riot and what they they want to do like it, it could be a map design where like they want to have specific play styles on different maps like yeah. the only map that they really added into the game since then was a set which is more like a traditional tax yeah. shooter like a cs style map and then icebox like something completely different if you if you look at like the gimmicks on all the maps right because they want to have like different like quirks on, on every map like it could just be that there's some maps in the pool that like i don't think that they should do this but i could see an argument where like they want to have like these are the play styles and that means you have to be good at playing a lot of different ways on all the maps right like you could argue that that is like to be the best team, you have to have a varying play style. Like, you can't just be, like, a slow team. You can't just be, like, a rush team. Like, you have to really mm -hmm. have, like, a multitude of, of ways to play the maps. But yeah. no one will know if that's really the direction they want to go until we see, the like, more maps that they want to add into the game. Because, yeah. you know, the next I, map they add could just be a set 2.0, right? Yeah. I could see... I could see a world in which Icebox becomes a decent map. Mm -hmm. I think the... The the idea that you can play somewhat so this is actually a pretty interesting round by the, the attacking side of Equinox here. Mm -hmm. They they run double cipher trips over at green. And so they <laughs> putting it's the only map that I can think of where you have to allocate both of your trip wires to one extremity in mm. order to lock it off. But that's that's what they've gone with. Instead of running the killjoy that most other people do yep. or, or triple duelist. And they just pressure towards mid and A and then they'll return to B later on in the round. Mm -hmm. And it's it's relatively successful for them and i think that some kind of slow default like that where you're trying to work mm -hmm. lurkers in and then a really fast push onto a that a lot of teams have mm -hmm. which is a pretty pretty exciting and then also though the reason that i think it could be a somewhat interesting map is that i think defensive aggression is almost necessary like the more that yep. we teams play this map i think the more that they'll be pushing mm -hmm. down mid and pushing a and you can't really do that with your full team because the map's too big, but you can do yep. that with like one or two people. And that's an interesting dynamic. I don't think we really have another map where the defenders are almost forced to push up mm -hmm. if they're given the space. Um, I, and that, I don't know. I could see a world in which that's interesting at least to watch, even if it isn't to play. Mm -hmm. Very much more of like a 1v1 dual kind of map yep. because your players are pushed up into what would normally be overextended mm -hmm. positions, but... You're you're really relying on like your uh, your individual yep. aim to carry you through, or you've got these really slow rounds where you're trying to get lurkers in. Mm -hmm. It could be interesting. Could yeah. Be. yeah. Let's uh, let's move the conversation along. Let's let's go to the final question in our new segment, which is quick questions with Shinobi, <laughs> which is uh, we we talk about it pretty much every week now. It feels like we talk about EU versus NA in terms mm -hmm. of the regions, and not not like directly comparing them but i guess directly comparing them because we're trying to see mm -hmm. you know what region is the better region and what better person to ask than someone who plays <laughs> in a north yep. american region so i mean what what is your take on this because i don't know there's a lot of pros that don't watch as mm -hmm. many games i don't know about your uh, how many of the i mean I, I, it's probably a bad question to ask actually because a lot of the eu games weren't even broadcasted but the uh, <laughs> the uh what, what's your take on this then the, the whole eu versus na 
aspect which region currently seems like they've got a, a good grasp of the game is it always in flux is it always one region in control what, what's going on uh it's really hard to say like i think this might sound like a cliche but or stupid but like the teams of the top teams in europe i think are by far stronger than like the teams in na or like at least they're very close um but i think in na like the lower you go down there's like more competitive teams i'd say in na like i'd say like the ninth through like the 12th best team in na can beat the second or third best team in na on a good day where i feel like in europe it's not i mean obviously there were upsets in the bo1s but like i, I don't see g2 or liquid losing a bo3 to like some 10th best eu team uh and just getting like just knocked out where like i think in, in na i think there's a lot of dark horse teams that can uh can win and whether or not that's because the region is better or you know there's it's hard to really to gauge yeah, that i've got like, a, <laughs> i've got a personal theory on why that is actually yeah. and why we sometimes see that and it's it's that north america has more money so you end up with these the more teams signed illusion yeah more teams signed so in eu you end up with more kind of like yeah. flux of players so that the mm -hmm. the kind of good t the good players almost um kind of congregate mm -hmm. at the the top level of yeah. eu um even on unsigned teams and like they're more yeah. willing to mix and match whereas na you've got mm -hmm. The, the contracts you know like you've got yep. set teams a lot of the yep. times that maybe they're not going to be performing from like one to ten or something so you yep. can take more games against each other i don't know yeah that's that's my personal theory when i look at the outside in um mm -hmm. from from these regions what do you guys think what do you think why i mean uh, there's definitely some truth to that yeah. i mean i think there's a lot of truth to that honestly <laughs> i mean it's just it's it's funny seeing like and and they do deserve it because they're a good team and they're uh yep. uh very interesting team as well, but like Moon Raccoons, the community just rallying behind them to get them signed. The one good not signed NA team. Meanwhile, EU just fucking playing for scraps. Yeah. Just trying to put some food on the table. It's just tragic, honestly. And no one no. pays attention to these poor European players. But uh, yeah, I do think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of truth in what you were just saying, mm. friend. Um, but I think the main difference, I think we kind of touched on it last week, so I don't want to stay on it too long yeah. with my take, but yeah. I do think that uh, the EU utility usage is just uh, a, a, bit, uh, a bit deeper right now than in NA in a kind of general sense, but I think scaling down when you look at the uh, lower teams, when, once you get down to like the 5th through 20th, I think they have a better grasp in EU of the utility of the game mm -hmm. than uh, a lot of the NA teams of that similar yeah. kind of caliber. Yeah, we kind of we kind of touched on this a lot. What were you gonna say, Josh? Uh, I was I was just gonna ask uh, Shinobi uh, mm -hmm. a question about this kind of aspect as well because I feel like a lot of the other regions have learned different things when they yeah. when you have when you're presented with a brand new game. You know, if we think like three years down the line from now, what Valorant will look like, it's gonna be a much more refined product when people actually play the game. I don't mean that the game itself is going to be more refined. I mean that people's play yep. is going to be more refined. And I think some component of that is going to be like the utility usage, but then also you've got the, the team play and the coordination and how people uh, actually play off each other. And then you've got like how aggressive you are and how many different looks you have and the strategies. There's a, there's a whole different variation of things that you could focus on at the beginning of the game. You could try and get a really elaborate strat book like Vision Strikers. You could yep. try and play for very heavy utility-based defaulting like um, 
like uh, the European teams do on their their attacking rounds. You could try and play uh, a more um, uh, flash-based style that's to do with getting really good syncing up between your teammates, which I think a lot of the NA teams have done. What yeah. do, do you think that? what do you think is the best way of playing Valorant at the moment? Or like what avenue do you think you should be focusing on right now? And do you think there's any team that is doing that particularly well, where they're almost like pushing ahead of the other teams because they're, they're going in the right direction? Honestly, not, I, I don't know. I can't really, I can't think of a team in NA that's really like setting the meta. I think everyone's trying to figure out still like what the best way of playing Valorant is. Um, mm. I think a lot of the teams kind of copy each other, like, in how they play. Like, most of the teams run the same comps. Like, you don't see a lot of... I'd say, like, we were one of the teams that was... And TSM as well, I think, are teams that are kind of... They're, like, a trendsetter kind of team. Like, they'll they'll shift away from the meta and play things that a lot of teams aren't playing. Um, there's no way to really know what the best way of playing is. I think T1 have done a pretty good job at uh, at setting up, like, a good game plan for, for playing Valorant. Um, like... I, I think T I'm really high on T1. I think they're a really good team. I think people mm. people like shit on them a lot, but uh, yeah, I think the more time that they have, they're going to be a team that that gets better with uh, with time. Yeah, they, uh, I mean, they sure. seem to be getting way better yep. as time goes yep. on yeah. as a team. Sure. Like I, <laughs> I remember every every week we'd record an episode, and I there was the stern, there was a distinct turning point in one episode to the next where we literally <laughs> went from T1 are fucking clueless like they like just absolutely ripping into them for just playing yep. like just a, a ancient pre-bc level <laughs> level of tactical shooters like the, the way that they were playing inherently but yep. the radical improvements they made from one week to the next was super apparent um, mm-hmm. and they, they seem to just keep getting better and better um, yep. So I definitely agree with you on that aspect. I actually do have one. Qu- we, sorry, this is a no, this ahead. is a bonus this is, question this is the, in the yeah. rapid fire shinobi sure. question round. It's not really and rapid you, fire. You can no, not at all. Actually, <laughs> very slow, <laughs> slow shots. Uh, I have. So my question is, mm-hmm. you can answer this short, long. Is Reina good? No. Okay. Oh. There we have it, folks. <laughs> okay. Well, there you but, go. Uh, <laughs> so okay, which is funny because we we play it, but like Reyna's an agent that, in the hands of someone that's really good, she's good. But you could say that about any agent, right? Like if, if someone's insane <laughs> and they play an agent, they're gonna be good on the agent. So it's like I don't think I think Reyna's kit is like, eh, it's pretty bad. But like the yeah. the playmaking that you can do on her, like on like a tens or something, like if this guy has the ults up and he's in a one v three, like. He's gonna win the round just because the ult is broken in the hands of a good player. But if you're just like some noob playing Reyna, like you're just gonna feed probably. Like it's not sure. not that good. Like the the flashes are not that that good. I think the info that you can get with uh with Reyna is insane. But it's like for Reyna to be like an elite agent that people would always want to play. If the orbs were like if they're just there and you can grab them, she would just be like the most broken best agent but wait sorry what do you mean by that so like so like if someone if you like did damage to somebody but you didn't get the the killing blow on them and you were still able to grab the ah, order and use like the, the yeah, dismiss yeah. she would just be like absurd because sure. then the info that you like the untradeable aspects like she's good but she requires kills so like i can't say that she's like a good agent because her kit only works if you're you're getting frags right but mm, it's not in the hands of someone that can get kills consistently she's good but yeah like, we've seen a lot American teams try and make much more use out of the Reina, mm-hmm. uh, and they 
the the hello hi that was weird <laughs> Our faces just became Wyatt there for a moment. No, I don't know <laughs> what happened there, to be honest. But um, uh, that threw me off. What was I going to say? Oh, a lot of the teams have been using Reina recently, <laughs> yeah. and I feel like they haven't just been using it as a solo carry yeah. um, agent. They've been trying to uh, trying to push a little bit, try and get a bit of info off of their their flashes, trying yeah. to push into like advanced one and done positions where they can then escape to be able to get like early info for their team. Yep. Do you think that the, do you think that the, this style of play is um, sustainable? Do you think that it's, it is something that can work or do you think it's just an obsession with Reina because she, she works well for good, fraggers and they've eventually found a way of making it work like what 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 direction does this go in the thing the thing with like reyna is like outside of her flash i mean like again it's all that you need you need kills so it's like it's hard to really say that it's sustainable like i think a lot of duelists in na like from what i watched like wardell's an example that's not this kind of player but there's a lot of players in na that they play duelists and they're just like super greedy like they only use their abilities for themselves like i see wardell a lot of the time he's like using his cloud burst and skadoodle again like these players like they use their abilities to like help their team a lot more and like they're really mm -hmm. aware of like their situation right they're not just like i only have my cloud burst for myself or like i'm just gonna dash like the moment i get pressured like where like reyna is like you don't have anything really besides the leer is good but you don't have a lot of things that can help your teammate where like phoenix can wall and like help his teammate get out of a position right you can use like cloud burst to help your teammates. Uh, I mean, Raze doesn't really have anything like that, but Raze's kit is just broken because of like the the amount of damage that you can get off with, with Raze and clearing and getting getting info and things like that. Where Rain is just kind of like she's good, but she's as good as the player that's using them. Where like if you're having a bad game on Jet, I still feel like you can impact the game really well. Like you can just literally dash and make space for your teammate and be difficult to kill right like if you have good movement and you have good use with the the abilities it's like you can still get a lot done same thing with phoenix like getting orbs on phoenix and you just running in like even if you're two and ten like you can still help the team in a lot of ways where mm. with reyna really it's just the leers that you can do if you don't get the yeah. kills you can't help your teammates but do you think reyna is seeing more play time than she deserves to be played i think there's a lot of players that play reyna that shouldn't be playing reyna mm. in my opinion but I think that they would get more value out of playing other agents. But the thing is, there's no perfect comp in this game. So, like, if a team, like, I have my own, like, philosophies on, like, what makes comps good. And, like, everyone else is going to have their own, like, reasoning to want to play certain agents. But, like, I, I think if someone's not comfortable playing an agent, they should never play it. Like, if they're really comfortable on Reyna, then, like, it's always going to be better, right? But I think if there was, like, an equal comfortability between, like, Reyna and, like, another agent, like, another duelist, then they should go for it. But I I, I I, like a lot of the, like the Breach. I, I'm a big Breach stand. I like Breach and like all these like really like utility-based agents a lot more, which is ironic because we don't really play these agents all the time. But uh, <laughs> if it was a perfect world, I would I would love having Breach <laughs> on every map. Yeah. I just think he's insane. Um, mm. And I think you get way more value in a team setting out of like some of these agents compared to like, these duelists because yeah. not because that they're incapable but i think a lot of players don't use the uh utility in a, in a like a maximized way um sure. if that makes sense yeah no, it does Let, let's talk um esports because they made some some big announcements in, for 2021 yep. 
they've announced kind of like the circuit i guess the the format yep. i don't know yeah, um, yeah. For, for for what it is and the kind of feeding into the eventual um what are they calling it challenges the champ no champions, champions. champions store. yeah yeah so the, which the way it is all works. a name that i mean this this name though the champions tour and like the final event that is called champions <laughs> call of duty's had champs for years yeah like years and years and years call of duty's finals they call it champs which i'm sure is exactly what they're going to shorten it down to in this game as well like no one's going to say oh are you heading to champions they're going to say are you heading to champs <laughs> no. so it's just going to feel like the exact same thing i don't know yeah. i found it really interesting that they're using all the same words that are used across other esports as well like they got challenges and masters in league of legends but flipped the other way around like in in league isn't it that masters feeds into challengers and now they've flipped it around so the challenger feeds into masters in this game. I don't, I don't know. know. I think I the terminology is mega yeah, I confusing. Are. I mean, these are the guys that said the highest rank in their game was Valorant. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 So, what, what can you do? Do we, do we have the, cool, uh, the pyramid scheme thing? The, <laughs> the, 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 the thing? You know what I'm talking about? The post yeah, It's just called <laughs> a pyramid. If, it, if there's no scheme, well, but, it's not uh, a pyramid okay, but scheme. <laughs> it's not a pyramid scheme, but it reminds me of a pyramid scheme. This yeah. is more information than I can process at this time yeah. of the morning. Um, <laughs> fucking hell. What is this? <laughs> this is okay so let me let me guide you through it then this is the challenges so actually the first thing to bring up Kurt, if you don't mind is the mm -hmm. timeline because the timeline is is the pyramid uh, bring up the pyramid no that's not <laughs> the pyramid because <laughs> you'll see how many happen a, across one year because there's a challenger that feeds into a masters and then there's and the challenges are these open brackets so you think of it yeah. like first strike mm, there you so go. There's like this open qualifier in February that feeds into the closed Masters event in March. And then there's another one in April, May that feeds into the one in June, another one in July, August that feeds into the one in September. And then I think only some regions have this like October last chance mm -hmm. qualifier. Um, and it's a point system the entire way through. So it's not like if you win Masters, you, in March, you're automatically into the, mm -hmm. into the final in December. Some regions have that, but overall, you're just trying to accrue points over the course of a year. So it's a proper full circuit thing. It's it's a really cool idea. I, I love this format. Do this in Dota. Or at least yeah. they did. They used to. I don't know if they still do because I don't follow Dota that closely. But uh, you ran into scenarios where there would be a team that was dominant for the first half of the year. And they would accrue enough points to qualify. Um, mm. And then they would drop off the face of the earth for the second half. And they would just mm. be kind of like stealing that, or well, not stealing, but they would be holding up that slot um, and the, the level of competition would just shift around and they, they wouldn't be as strong. It's, uh, yeah. I, I still think it's a pretty cool system though for like if you were, if you were going to have one event at the end of the year, mm -hmm. like this is a good way of doing it, I suppose, because you are rewarding, I guess, the consistency of, of being the best team. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I'm very curious to what you think about this kind of format as well, Shinobi, going into it mm. as a pro player. I think it's it's decent like one of the problems that you know like you just mentioned like in cs there was like with the major format there was like there was a lot of times where a team would like get they would qualify like they get 16th or whatever and then they would qualify and they'd have a spot in the coming major but then like that team just like fell off a cliff so they're just like a a wasted spot because the time between the last yeah. major and the, the following one was like seven eight months so it's like and that's a long time in esports right um mm -hmm. but I, I think there's no real i don't think there's like a like a better way that you can run the format unless you wanted to do 
like just one like have them be separated right but if you want to have like a circuit it's probably the ideal way of doing it where you have a points-based system because i don't think there's like a logical way that you could do it where uh like any other way right there's gonna inevitably be teams that were good and accrued points at one point and then maybe they fell off a bit and they're still there but there's no like i don't know if there's a better way to to alleviate that potential problem mm-hmm. uh, but they're also they're basically using if you look at what it says here the challenger finals it's basically the first strike format so yeah. it's like some big open qualifier you go through to the closed qualifier mm-hmm. top four progress and dodge the next open qualifier and then yeah you're, you're through one, so yeah. it's 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 all looking very familiar shinobi yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but gonna, i think the difference yeah. is it's spread out right is it not yeah yes it yeah. Is. yeah it's like one every yeah it's one every month right yeah or, yeah i think so. the overarching uh setup is good but yeah i i, I would prefer one open qualifier into like a big close qualifier into like a qualifying stage where it's like not like not that it's like long-winded like qualify get seeding go into another qualifier then go into another like it's i don't know i'd rather just be like you play through the first one because there's there's going to be more than one for this right so it's like even if you like got seeding in the first qualifier and you you messed up and you didn't qualify there's still going to be like more opportunities to get get through right to the masters uh, so yeah now it's implied as well that the uh the ending it's going to be international right yeah yes Uh, they also said that in theory these masters events are supposed to be international as well it's oh, really? just that it's just the the issue is that they're going to be running while covid is on sure. yeah. and so these first masters events like one and probably two are not going to be international yep. or, or rather interregional is probably how we should say it because mm. there, there are like europe is always international but the valorant masters three i think probably their intention is to run it as a uh, uh, an interregional LAN event, and then Champions is just like the best of the best for the entire year, the most prestige. It's like the one that they're going to hype up like worlds, mm-hmm. um, and just yeah, have a huge show for. Yeah, that is. I think it's sick though. Like, look sick. at look at how these yeah. circuit points work and stuff. It's so good. I, I understand the the idea of a team just dropping off and not, and not really not really being there, yep. but the. The Masters 3 winner, look, this is like how they can... um, uh, Look, the only way that the qualification works is if Masters 3 is actually an interregional LAN event because then the overall winner of that gets to book their place into the Valorant Champions, assuming, you know, know, and then if they were an NA team, that means that the next next team down in NA actually gets the spot. So it's almost like by winning the third Masters, you're like guaranteeing your region an extra spot in champions as well which is an awesome cool side effect of that as well so like if a if a korean team won it it'd be like oh holy shit they've booked their way in and they've allowed up more space for other korean teams to join in champions too i don't know i think that's really sick the way that it works and and you've got these um these slots coming in via circuit points over the course of the year which i think is I actually think it's almost necessary for for a game like this because you can have a patch where you're not that great. And so if you get a bit unfortunate at the beginning of the year but heat up towards the end, you mm. always want those teams to be able to still qualify. Sure. And likewise, yeah. like if you if you did really well in Masters 1 and then you dropped off in Masters 2 and 3, you might still be good for champions. I, I think that this game is going to be uh, have a bit more of a cycle to it than something like... Um, 
the, I don't think it's going to be as extreme as Dota, mm-hmm. where you are, you know, massively varied based on the the patch itself. But I don't yeah. think it's going to be as static as CS, where if you've fallen off, you've fallen off, yeah. and you need to make roster like changes. The lengthy team eras. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't think you're gonna have like a whole year of an era. Yeah, I don't, th- I don't think that's likely either. I, I, I like this system a lot. I think it's great, and and I like to. I, I think it's nice to have a uh, a system like this for a full year early on in the game's lifespan as well. Yep. Like I think it's presented in a way that should be fairly easy for casual fans to follow uh, throughout the entirety of the year, which is very important right now as well but yeah I, I mean i'm more than anything excited for the international competition i think that's like really going to be the moment for valorant esports mm-hmm. if there's going to yeah. be one that's going to be the the, the yeah, pop-off sure. moment it's so unfortunate that it's like still so far down the line i w- when was the valorant masters 3 scheduled for which is the first one that they're even thinking about being interregional i think it was like september yeah, it's something gonna like be that. Later yeah, portion. I mean, that makes yeah, it makes sense. But yeah, it's unfortunate, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it is unfortunate. But but I mean, I'm just gonna be salivating until then because that that <laughs> yeah. is just gonna be a ridiculous yeah. tournament, isn't it? Especially when you've seen all of the regions play in March and in June, and then it comes yep. to September, and you've got this like clash of the regions. And even if that doesn't happen, like then in December, you you yeah yeah. I mean, it's yep. just gonna be nuts. I think it's. It's going to level up the scene so much. It's uh, it's probably going to solve one of the major issues as well, which is that people don't know where to watch the games. Like They don't know how to follow oh, the games. Um, they don't know what's important, like with the tournaments and, and, and other aspects. Like giving this kind of timeline early, uh, is, it's good for the casual, I think, user base. Because there's a lot of casual players that play Valorant and they, they don't watch mm-hmm. the esports like a lot of games. Um, but, but getting that kind of conversion over is very important and having this kind of consistency. I mean, it's one of the primary reasons that the Overwatch League is as successful as it is, is because they made it very easy to follow. Um, yeah. very easy you just to go follow, to one website to every yep. day. Exactly. Uh, yeah. The, I yeah. also think though that this is really good for pros too, because your whole 2021 is mapped out right now. Like, yep. okay, there might be, and this is a, a topic i want to get onto there might be other third-party tournaments sprinkled in here or there but unless you're unless you really want to play them for the cash they're not gonna give circuit points so you already know for the whole of 2021 which weeks of the year you are going to be playing in if you want to play the minimum required to to participate in the circuit that's great that's fantastic scheduling pros can't normally schedule weeks ahead because they don't know what's going to happen coming up that is really good yeah, so I, I think that's fantastic. I think it's also good for like broadcasters as well <laughs> to be like, hmm, how many days of work a year can I actually get here? Yeah, that kind of stuff is all, I, uh, it's all great. I, I don't think this is a product of, of them learning from something that happened prior. I think that they were going to do this like roadmap outline thing anyways, but like for like f- the uh, the events that were like going on in August, like the Ignition series, like we were told as a team, like, okay, like it'll be like one Ignition series a month. And then it was like, we had three within like, three weeks and they were kind of like last minute they're like oh yeah like by the way this is like an ignition event that you have to play in. and it actually we had scheduled vacation in august that we had to like change because of the the time so it is really nice to see this like format where you know exactly when these tournaments are going to go i'm sure there's going to be some wiggle room or like movement like you, you who knows like some of the dates could get changed we don't know but i think it's pretty pretty sad and i think that's really good um for for the teams i i have a little 
question though to mm-hmm. that i think that riot i would love for riot to apply more um transparency to is are they going to still be giving out tournament licenses to other people at the same time during the year that their circuit is running i the, the, it it seems like a small question but it's so massive for the scene overall yeah most of the time organizers like riot and blizzard lock things down during their time of the year but the problem is that that 2021 schedule the whole of the year is their time of the year year. like what january is the only time where you could run some big event and it would have all eyes on it so Mm -hmm. my my big question is a riot just gonna totally lock things down to i think it's under ten thousand dollar tournaments you don't have to apply for a license or it's like a community license Mm -hmm. something like that so is that the only thing that we're gonna have outside of riot events because if so that's kind of shite because that means if you go out in one of the early qualifiers you just have to sit around as a team for a full month like you you miss out on the masters you watch the other teams play you've got nothing to play for until the next qualifier which might be on a different patch with a fucking new agent new map like what's even the point of scrimming at that point in time so i think that riot still has a large opportunity to really fuck this up i think if they don't if, if they're too limiting with the uh tournament licenses that they give out if they do the classic developer thing of saying no it's all of the spotlight on us it's just riot run tournaments for the rest of the year i think that's going to be a huge problem for the scene if you've got to allow the sprinklings of other formats for starters like have some variety in the format by allowing tos to run some different stuff i just really hope they do that kind of aspect to it because otherwise can you imagine being in cloud nine and like (laughs) right now you get eliminated from first strike which we'll imagine is like masters one and you just have to sit around for like a month and you're just twiddling your thumbs knowing that the next time you can compete is in an open bracket in like june that would suck yeah that is an interesting situation as well because it's it it seems like with that ten thousand dollar rule it'll be fine for the tier two scene Typically, yep. it's the other way around, where the tier yeah. two scene is getting shafted, while the the one percent yep. are just fine <laughs> up, rich, up, up at the top. Yeah. yeah, but it might actually be the opposite, in, in potentially I, some, uh, some TOs might not want to run tournaments though, as well. It depends mm-hmm. what the scheduling looks like, because it seems like they have yep, booked definitely. up a significant portion of this. Whereas, if you run a tournament what on the same weekend as one of these events, like I don't yeah. think you're gonna get. No, You're not going to get, get a return. Right? It would get moved. Yeah, it would get moved. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so I, the, what I'm imagining here though is when you look at this schedule, it does look like there's a week break in like the beginning of March between the end of Challengers and the beginning of Masters, mm-hmm. and there's a bit of there's maybe like a week break in the middle of April between Masters and Challengers, that kind of stuff, where you could, in theory, you could run some. I don't know what is the JBL Cup? Is that fifty k, twenty five k, something yeah, like that? Fifty k, yeah. Some some tournament like that where you're okay. It's not it's not the same level of prestige. It's not the same level of points, but it's a, an open cup where it's not as rigorous. There's more chance for upsets if you're a lower level tier two team. So you might be incentivized to to play for that reason because there's a chance of making it deeper when you don't have to play seventy two billion bo threes in the challenges format. Uh, and if you're a top team that maybe didn't get the result that you want you want to be able to prove yourself that kind of stuff like Anbox playing in the recent nsg tournament for example just to prove Mm -hmm. themselves after they got eliminated in unfortunate circumstances with poach not being available Mm -hmm. they come in they just ruin that tournament they prove to everybody that they're still a top team like that those opportunities i think need to still be available 
in the scene for it to feel fresh. Definitely. Yeah. Like look at look at July and August. Like the whole of July and August is one challenger event. <laughs> Come on, please. Yeah. There's got to be something in there. Something also. I didn't look too much into it, but does this timeline align with like the update timeline that they have? Like you know, every two months they add like a new agent and like there's supposed to be like a new map because I would imagine. Would that so. be, yeah, I would assume that like in between the events there'd be like a new agent that comes out, but it would be pretty tragic if uh, if there was another first strike scenario where like the between qualifiers there's like a, a patch that comes in that like changes the game. I feel like it's uh mm. Yeah. yeah, if Riot, they, if Riot pull that now when they have like this whole timeline mapped out, I feel like that's pretty bad. Um, it's this is one of the biggest problems though that I think a lot of developers come over and it's it's trying yeah. to <laughs> trying to mix the dev team with the the esports and marketing team yeah. and trying to get yeah. them on the same page. And yeah. in reality, the thing that takes priority always will be the dev team in terms of what, how often yeah. they can put out updates. And it's like it's it's a sad reality if you are purely all about the competition, the highest level of play. But at the end of the day, like the priority will most likely always be with the user base. Um, So it's like, yeah, the updates come secondary. Uh, If they do manage to sync it up, yeah, I mean, fantastic. It would be, it would be, I mean, sick just in terms of the competition because it's it's the Mm -hmm. competitive integrity of the whole thing. Um, But yeah. I, just, I just want to. Uh, sorry, go on. Okay, go on. No, I was gonna say it would just suck for like the situation. Situation like what you said, Josh, is like you get eliminated from the tournament. You're sitting around for a month, and then like there's an update like two weeks in, and it's like, well, everything you just did is kind of like useless, right? Like you have yeah. to go back now, and it's like it's like wasted time. That's not even. It's like time that you could be using to improve or fit, like working on things behind the scenes, but then it's like moot basically because you have to like go in again and change things or like everything you just worked on then they're like all right we're dropping a big update like five days before the qualifier like have fun guys like everybody good luck it's just like i think they've done they've done part of that though as well to try and combat the burnout issues that are so prevalent Mm -hmm. in cs where you just have tournaments running all the time and the players get mega burnt out i yeah i i don't really know though because the um it's it's kind of hard to tell that i feel like some esports pros are very antsy like if they don't have stuff to compete in they they just feel like they want to be playing they want to be improving all the time like their their work is their life kind of aspect and then some are like well fucking hell i'm just utterly burnt out if you make me play that much so it's a difficult thing to try and balance from their perspective Uh, i wanted to can we bring up the timeline one last time though kurt because i i think there's also another interesting aspect to this that is like a year down the road but is going to become a reality. Like if this is the schedule moving forwards for for years in the future, January and to some extent February and March during first masters will be the fucking wildest off season shit you've ever seen in Valorant. Because instead of everything being around like first strike and and et cetera, everything is going to be around champions. Like if they hype this up with any percentage of the amount that they hype up worlds, which is what they're promising. They're promising a show that's in some sense similar to worlds, which is the biggest show for esports on the planet, right? Like bar none, as far as I'm aware, it's for the biggest esports. So if Riot are going to like slap it out on the table and try and put something equivalent when the eSport is nowhere near the size, that that is going to hype up everybody involved to perform at Champions. And if you yep. don't, you're going to be reshuffling to try and make it next year. Like you're, yep. The players are just going to feel like that is the 
the the pinnacle of competition that they should be striving for. Yep. And so I'm not even sure whether January will be enough for for like weird, crazy off-season moves. I feel like you're going to be extending to like February and March. And people are just going to be, you know, kind of sacking first masters some of the time in order to try and compete from April onwards and, and just have like a really sick team to be able to work with. I, I think we could get some crazy off-season shit. Yeah, a little uh, work like a <clears throat> mid mid timeline in terms of roster moves that'll be allowed if there'll be mm -hmm. sp like spaces of time between each masters where you could make a roster move or not the normally the way that it works in cs right is that you have to have three out of five of the same players in order yeah. to retain the legend spot i think yeah and yep. the legend yeah so i would assume it's similar but the, i think the the difference though with like cs is like the majors are like its own thing and like third party just dominates CS where like if Riot are doing all of this, it could be completely different, right? There could be like way different yeah. rule sets and things that you'd have to follow. Yeah. Uh, but I imagine it would be something something similar. Yeah, you, you, you'd think, but uh, <laughs> sometimes it's not the case where, yep. yeah, I don't know. You, you'd think there'd be some parallels between the games, but sometimes there's just not. Uh, let's yeah. do some predictions from North America. What, 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 what do you want, Josh? What do you want? Hmm? Nothing. Are you going to say something? <laughs> no. Okay, let's do predictions for North America. Uh, yeah, I like uh, this. This, uh, this is, uh, yeah, this is the, the thing I think. We've up. got all the experts here and me, and we can take a look at the bracket. <laughs> do we actually have the bracket, the, the seed? Yep. They, we there know what is. teams are playing, which teams. Probably small on our screens, but um, yeah, this, uh, this is going to be shaping. Let's start with the first one then. Let's go over. What is that? Envy Immortals? Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. This, in what? my mind, just to, just to kick yeah. things off, I, I think Envy should be taking this in a pretty dominant fashion. I think Immortals of the, the, the honeymoon period that we were talking about was shot up in. Obviously, they got a little bit unfortunate. Immortals recently were, were shot up having to go to the hospital. Um, and they, but they played with Shanks, and they filled in to a reasonable level and managed to qualify. But Envy have been so consistently good, I feel like. It, it's, it's almost like you have to pick them here. Yeah. Yeah. I would, yeah. I, I would agree. Yeah, I, I think so as well. I'm interested in Shinobi. What's your point of view on Envy? Because they're a team that really came up like hard over the course of, uh, I guess, like the last three months, honestly. They, uh, and even a little bit before that. And they've gone from being like a pretty solid, like fourth best team in NA to now being arguably the second best team in NA. Mm -hmm. uh, what's what's your perspective from somebody who has played against them multiple times? Like, do you think they do you think they warrant the hype? Uh, for the most part, I think they're good. I think people were like really high on them in, in practice um, from scrims. Um, we never, I never really felt like they were like absurd in prac, but I think that they have a good understanding. They have an in-game leader that knows what he's doing. Mm. and he's gonna set the team so like they're never gonna be a team that's like really up and down in my opinion like we're immortals like in this matchup it's like envy are the the better team and you know, i'd say seven eight times out of ten they should win but i a single limb format immortals are a team that can win and they can they can upset envy i think if like envy don't come to play like i think immortals can can win this series even 2-0 but i think envy should should win the game but i don't know it's, it's weird because Envy's a team even like way before with the old lineup. We've always played them close. Like in every every series we've played has always been yeah. close. With this new lineup. I actually think in this new lineup, right, it was like a seeding match, but I think we actually played a like a overall like a stronger performance against them 
with this new lineup that I, I think is a, a stronger team overall than we had played them in the past. And I don't know if that's like a, what the reasoning for that is, but I, I think they're definitely like for sure a top three team. Like they're definitely really strong. Mm. And I think, uh, I think ha- them having an in-game leader and having a structure is a big reason why they are such a good team. In my opinion, it's not really like, obviously the players are good, but yeah, I think yeah. uh, having a team identity and like a culture mm. in the team is uh, something that people really undervalue. And I think it's, it's important. Yeah, part of their success with envy as well. Just the last few times that we've seen them, I I feel they're one of the teams that have genuinely been better every consecutive time we've seen them in in the last three or four tournaments or so. They've just genuinely been stepping it up every single time. Um, uh, I have a a question for you, Shinobi. What? How do you how do you feel about um like on envy with their players switching off and on the omen from duelist with mummy and food swapping do you think that that's like does that have a lot of impact on a team um is that viable would would you recommend for it against it i I think it ultimately it comes down to the player's comfortability like if they they're comfortable with the changes like for me i think it's like i think something that made us better like more consistently was that we we did switch like I was playing Sova and like Omen on some maps, and then I just like exclusively went to Omen, and then we put Scalar on on Raze like almost exclusively and playing Duelist, and it helped us. But I wouldn't say that that's like you have to do that for a team. It's going to come down to that team specifically and whether or not they can uh, make it work. I-, I think Food is much better on like some like I think he's much better on like Phoenix and and Omen than I'd say his Raze play was, and I think that they changed that and put food on on phoenix a lot more but uh i know it's definitely weird seeing mame on uh on agents like yeah i mean i've seen him up on cypher and yeah he's played played a lot of really weird agents Um, sage as well he seems willing to just do whatever that team needs what do we think the uh like what's the win con for immortals because i feel like a lot of it is dependent on like obviously shot up but for me the the player that stands out in my mind is jmo and whether or not he can really uh, per- perform at, the, I mean, at some of the insane heights that we've seen him at, and then you know, on, on other maps, just be relatively non-existent. One of the I things. Think, oh, no, go, go ahead. Go I was just going to say one of the things we've got to, got to consider here is that there's a new patch as well, yeah, and there's certain sure. teams I think are probably going to be a little bit more suited as well to the switch up in in comps and icebox being introduced as well for an example like the these are some major changes that could mean that we see some like round one upsets in the main event pretty pretty quickly um yeah you say that though but i don't think that i i don't know my my read of envy and immortals is that i don't think either of them are really going to be like a team that's going to grab huge value out of sky I, i mean i could be totally wrong here but i i think of envy as a team that likes to um that really excels by when they're on defense, getting a lot of value out of pushing the extremities, and they really value the the uh, duelists and the way that they can just kind of yep. access those extremities when they're defending. I, I don't think that they're going to try some like complex team play setups with Sky, and I also don't think that Immortals. Like for me, when you're talking about like Icebox, for example, I don't think Immortals would want to go there. I feel like that's definitely more of an envy map. So I don't really see like the patch affecting this game in terms of adding more upset potential for Immortals. I think if anything, it just means that they are probably going to want to dodge Icebox and split. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. it comes down to like, 
I don't know. Immortals are the lower seed, and they have the weaker map pool here, I think, compared yeah. to Envy. Um, a lot so... can change, though. Yeah. It can. It can. It can. I, I'm not saying that an, an upset is out of the realm of possibility here, but I think it's it's a tough win condition for yeah, Immortals. It is. And their players would have to be firing in order to win this game. I, I also think... I don't think you'll see Icebox played at all in this tournament until the final, when it's mm. BO5, because... If you're the higher seed, there's no reason, in my opinion, to play Icebox against a team that's like, in theory, should be should be worse than you. Like, sure. it's a map that like no one really has figured out. There's no like, there's literally no reason. And if you're the high seed, I feel like that's the map that you should be banning. In my, I've been maybe teams won't. Yeah, I, I just think like if you're in MV's position, like there's no way they're gonna play Icebox. Like they mm. they'll feel like we have the better we're the better team. We have the stronger map pool. There's no reason to to play that. Um, like, I really think for Immortals to win the game, they have to win <laughs> Haven and Bind, right? Like, those are the maps that they're going to have to win. I don't think that they'll win. What is this bracket? Where have we come up with this Frankenstein cooking someone up in the lab. It's so I can move the teams around. I just made, <laughs> I just uh, made an entire account for this website. <laughs> but this, this is the different wrong, bracket. Yeah, wrong bracket. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a totally different bracket. I don't know how that's happened, but yeah. Wait, wh where is this uh, bracket? Where did you find this? Oh, I think he's oh, just oh. made. Uh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> he's just made it on the challenge so that he can move oh. the the teams around. But it's um, oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, the it busted. yeah. Yep. Should we move on to another team? Yeah, I think there's uh, serious upset potential in Renegades TSM. There, you I, think there is I in Renegades TSM? Yeah, I think there's some serious yeah. upset potential here. I think. I mean, when you Renegades and TSM have played each other twice already, yep. actually, in the qualifiers so far. Renegades beat them on split each time. Now, that was back when TSM were playing the uh, the, the Viper split, which who the hell knows whether they're going to continue with that or the Triple Duelist or whatever the hell. I, I have not been convinced in TSM for quite some time. I think that their individual players have been relatively impressive impressive but i think they've lacked that like identity that really um has helped push tsm to the top in their past where they feel like they know what style they want to play i feel like they still don't really have a good idea of what style they want to play so if they haven't figured that out and they're still kind of throwing shit at the wall here i think there's a good chance that renegades just takes this by winning like split and ascent I don't think Renegades have a deep map pool, but I think Split and Ascent are extremely winnable maps, and it happens to be a BO3. So if you win both of those, you're through. The the thing about this matchup is, I would say if this was on the old patch, I think TSM win this 2-0. And my reason for that is that, like when you're the underdog team, and if you're a team like TSM, and I, I don't know if they respect, I mean, I assume that they, they went to their match against Renegades in the past, like not respecting them, like not thinking that they... You know, not, not prepping for them. I can't say this mm. for, like, for sure. I have no idea. But I would assume that they felt like, just play our game. We're better than them. We're going to win the game. Yeah. And like a team like Renegades, if you don't know how they're going to play, like they'll punish you because they have, like they're really explosive. Like they have this really like fast-paced style. But I feel like they're not a deep team. Like I don't, they don't have a lot of experience. Like they're not a really deep team. Like their playbook is kind of like what it is, right? And I feel like they're a team that, until they have more time together, like they're not going to be able to consistently beat teams that are better than them, uh, unless individuals just like straight carry uh, the mm. performance, you know. But because it's on this new patch and there's Sky that's in play, 
if TSM have no idea what Renegades are going to play, right? So if Renegades come up with new things and they play it, like they can win the game on that on that merit, like that yeah. random factor. But if things aren't changed, like if they play the same comp and style that they played in the last qualifier, I think TSM will win 2-0. But I still think TSM will win, but I think yeah. it'll be a close game. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Yeah, I, I, that that has been my big question with Renegades since that tournament is just where are they going to actually take the the strategic play moving forward? Because yeah, it wasn't particularly deep. It was explosive and it was well executed, and they had great post plant play as well. They had really decide. I don't know who's calling on that team, but they were very decisive in their post plant play. A lot of post plant aggression. Um, mm. They were they were always trying to take map control with multiple players once they had the spike down, um, and they were doing it with a lot of pace. So th I think there was uh, definitely some positives to gleam from from their performance. But yep. yeah, I just do wonder how far that will take them and how deep the team actually is. Yeah, I I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I, I something about them though that. It does strike me that they might be a team that is willing to be a bit more experimental. Like they might feel they have something up their sleeve with Icebox yep. or with Sky, just something that. Uh, yeah, TSM I could totally see Renegades for. being the kind of team where if TSM don't immediately ban Icebox, Look it just gets it. played. Yeah, yep. yeah. I, like I even though, that. yeah, even though that's not you know like you would expect them to tend towards split because they've beaten TSM on it before. But I think Renegades are the kind of team that would just be like, oh. We might we might as well give it a punt yeah. because they know that they're the underdogs in this yeah. situation. But they yep. they also I think though that Renegades get undersold a little bit too because they're they they get described as like this. Um, what was it you actually that was tweeting this, Shinobi, about um, okay, Renegade so Strapbook being like run A, so, run B? Was that you? That was that was actually just because um, Wardella tweeted that. I was just uh, memeing because right. he had, he had said it. Um, but I mean. He's not wrong, but it wasn't it wasn't like a disrespectful tweet. Um, sure, sure. But yeah, because uh, I I think though that this yeah. that that kind of perception um, underplays a little bit of how difficult it is to stop a team that's it really is. explosive like that. Because even if you know that they're gonna do it, yep. um, stopping them from doing it is a whole other question. Yep. And then I I feel like a lot of the time when teams run bursts like that, the meta against teams like that has just been to try and play retake positions has been yeah. like okay if you're just going to burst out all of your utility to take the site we'll give you the site and we'll keep all of our utility we're not yeah. even going to use any of it and we'll just play a, a really good retake against you but that 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 relies on you being really good at retakes and them not being that great at the post plants and so i think the the like even the natural counter to how Renegades play, they're really good in the post plants. And like a lot of these teams are not that coordinated at yep. being able to play good retake setups, especially on sites where you don't normally play retake setups, mm. um, which, you know, can apply to like, like B, for example, on split, like very few teams play full retake setups on B. Um, and it really catches teams off, I think. So, yeah, I, I, I think actually then rather than them being like um, three head ungabunga team that just goes <laughs> that just bursts into sights, yeah. I think that it's a viable way of play. I don't know whether it should be moving forwards, but I do think it's a viable way of playing Valorant is to just yeah fucking splooge onto a site and then try and win the post plan. <laughs> I think that you might even see that more as the game trends yeah. in this uh, with this patch. It's hard to deal with because, like, you have to have the right agents in the spot. Like, if you, you could have the counter and have the read, but if you, 
Like if you know, you can know like how to counter uh, an execute, but if you have your, your your Sova there or whatever, and then it's like you needed your breach and something else to, to stop the hit, it's like you if you guess wrong, they just fly into the bomb site that's like weak, right? Like you could yeah. know, like on split, right? You could know their B execute, and you know, like okay, if we have like these agents here, we can just own them. But like they go A, and like you're playing retake on A, and they do their execute, it's all like it comes down to the the post play, right? And it's like more random, right? It's not always going to be. Yeah. Well, it's like that playstyle doesn't work as much because the moment you know how people rush and you have an answer for it, any player can just be there and they can they can do the counter, right? But in, mm. in Valorant, it's like way more player specific. Like you need to have the right people in the right spots way more often, and that's like a random aspect. I think as yeah, well, definitely. if you try to play like a a basic retake strategy against them, like if the idea is just to retake and your retakes are all right, they're mm. gonna they will push you when you were setting up your retake. I even remember uh, in your yep. match against them, yep. one time on split, they planted on B and they just three-man pushed into spawn and they hit a yep. fat paranoia. And I think you actually killed them because somehow you were just out of range of it or something and you cleaned them up. But like, they're willing to just plant the spike and immediately yep. push three guys into their spawn while you guys yep. were trying to set your retake up. Like that's the kind of thing that will catch teams out. It didn't in that instance because I think you got like a 2K off that play, but like that is the kind of play that will catch teams out very, yeah. I mean, with some consistency. I mean, it's also, it's smart on them because it's, it's not like, I mean, they, they know that they have this like play style, but they're obviously thinking about like, okay, if we rush into this site and we use stuff, we have to have plans. Like, they obviously have plans for how they want to push uh, after the post plan, right? They're not just, like, one by one running and, like, panicking. Like, it's it's definitely coordinated from them. Like, they're they're a team that has, like, they might be one note, but they are thought out in, like, how they execute on the sites. Yeah. And, like, they're, they're really good at that that style of play. And then also, like, Retro and uh, Winsome, like, these guys are absolute freaks with, like, using their... <laughs> Their abilities, like yeah, I like love Winsome, watching Winsome Winsome. using the yeah Winsum on the the blast pack just plays. He's like really good at, at the movement with Rays and uh, Retro's like the kind of guy where it's like what I was saying about how like you can be not getting a lot of kills and you can make impact. Like this guy will dash in a straight line right in front of you for his teammate <laughs> to get the kill. Like this guy he just doesn't care. Like he has no no care on his life. And I mean it's good. It's hard to to deal with if people are playing like that because you don't you don't expect people to. To just like throw themselves at you like that a lot of the time and yeah yeah it's I, yeah, it's it's hard to play against i think especially when you're not ready for it yeah still give tsm the win though i think across the board right yeah i still yeah, expected yeah. tsm to win even though we've just gassed up renegades for about five minutes <laughs> yeah. but yeah. uh yeah, yeah. They, i i um i've always been a bit of a tsm doubter and i i, I i've been kind of i don't know i just i just feel like they're a team that you said it earlier in this podcast you know we were like tsm are a team that they they tend to adapt pretty well to like the trends of the meta um mm -hmm. that, are, that is going on at a, at a given time i think that's that's pretty evident like the the fact that this mm -hmm. team is still relevant now when i thought they were going to drop off a long time ago uh, into mm -hmm. these patches i think showcases that they can adapt to a degree um not necessarily mm -hmm. that they might be the best but still expect them to be the favorite so the next one is 100 yeah. thieves t1 uh, this is this I mean, is the this best is game be of the well actually game. I don't know whether this is the best game of the quarters because Envy Immortals should also be pretty good but I, this absolutely could be the best game of the quarters I think yeah. it will I think be I think this is the hardest one to predict it yeah, definitely yeah, has yeah. to be right 
I, T1 just getting better and better. I, I mean, it's also just, just so many old school CS players playing against yeah. each other. It's such <laughs> a fun game. It's like yeah. you could have ported this back in, in time and you'd just be wondering what the fuck's uh, spider is doing on the roster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, how do I... My gut says T1. Your gut says T1. I, yeah, it really does. <laughs> I, they I mean, just, I think that's a reasonable. Like, you can make I, arguments for so either side. Yeah. It, it is so close. Uh, so, I, really, no matter what you pick, I think it's totally reasonable. But I, I'm thinking T1, and and see, this is tough though because what I'm about to say applies to Hundred Thieves as well. <laughs> but sort of the trajectory that both of the teams have been on that we've witnessed over First Strike so far, I feel like T1 has improved considerably, and especially. Towards the very uh, end of the, the second qualifier, they're really showcasing how far they've come in just whatever, a month, month and a half. Um, but 100 Thieves as well made, made a lot of uh, improvement in just mm -hmm. their one showing going from losing to TSM to like, finding the, what looked like finding the confidence uh, and in an individual sense to actually uh, beat them the second time they, they played in the close qualifier. So both teams had made some significant improvement, but... I feel like T1 are really setting themselves up to uh, actually be like a legit top top six, top four team potentially, depending on how far they can take this uh, like spider rays theory um, with Scadoodle <laughs> the on jet. Because well, it, well, it was it was more than a theory in practice. It was yeah, genuinely good. effective. Um, there, we had seen them using utility better than any previous point they're getting so much value out of the rays um their bind attacks so personally i think that even though there's more maybe maybe the trajectory of t1 is more compelling because we've seen them start from a much lower place so you can really see like these guys are moving co consistently upwards Mm. To me, it doesn't make sense to go for T1 in this match because 100 Thieves are still going to be improving massively. And the improvements that they have made, although you've seen a much smaller section of the line, the line is still moving at a considerable upwards pace when it comes to these guys' improvement. Uh, the, the improvement from them playing against TSM one week to playing against TSM the other week, the, the actual teams that they have wins over as well, uh, their performance in like the Cloud9 game as well, when Cloud9 were playing really well. I think that the quality of play has been higher than T1 overall. And I see no reason why 100 Thieves should stop improving at this point. Like, I, I think that they will continue to get better and better. I just mm -hmm. don't think, I, I think that whereas T1 are in the, perhaps in the middle of their improvement, where they started in a really bad spot, they're looking incredibly promising right now, and they're looking like they could achieve big things. I, I think 100 Thieves started at the promising. They started looking good right from the off but with a few things that they had to really work on and they've had just a really good foundation to keep building i i, I have high hopes for 100 thieves and i think that they should be considered favorites in this game uh yeah i would tend to agree with you i think recency bias as well thinking you've made a good point there with t1 just with the rapid improvements they've made in such a short period of time um Still, I I, I, don't, I still think this is probably going to be the best match of the quarters. 
um just looking at it looking at these two teams compete as well just the history of it as well it's very hard not to get excited when you see these two teams playing as well uh i'm i'm not going to predict i'm going to be switzerland in this one i'm just gonna, <laughs> just gonna stay neutral i'm gonna stay in the middle uh but yeah i think i mean what's the overall consensus here shinobi did you make your did you make your prediction i i, I it's tough because I, I think i think this matchup will come down to split because like hundred so neither of these teams really play split. Like it's probably the one map that they're like the weakest on, I'd say, mm -hmm. in their map pool. And then with Icebox being in, it's gonna come down to like if T1, because T1 have the lower seed, if I were them, I'd be really sure that we can play split in this game and be ready to ban Icebox. And then like if Hunter Thieves ban Icebox, you leave split in, in my opinion, and you punish them. That's like how I would I would be thinking about it if I was T1. But mm -hmm. they could also just I mean T1 could also just feel like they're better on the other three maps and they'll just play them on uh on those maps but like if i was t1 i would just ban ascent and i would play split i would make sure that we're we're damn good and prepared on split and and win on those maps because i think t1 are, are pretty good on bind uh how did like they have a really similar map pool that's like the thing that makes the yeah. map really naturally they interesting do. Really do. 100 thieves have the highest seed here no they do so. they do so like 100 thieves is like they'll either ban Icebox are split, right? That's what oh, I'm saying. right. I see. If yeah, you were, yeah. yeah, if you were T1, you'd probably want to play. <clears throat> I mean, I don't know if you'd want to play Icebox. That's a thing. Like, you, you might. You might want to play Icebox yeah. here. But... I mean, the question... I think the question with the T1 maps are, do they try to ban Icebox or do they stick to banning Haven? Or do they have they tried to work Haven into their pool or Icebox into their pool? I've seen, I've seen T1 play a lot of Haven recently. Yeah, they just started to at the very end, but that was like their insta-ban for the, yeah. the majority period. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'd say I'd say in practice T1 were were quite good on Haven when we played them. Yeah, see that uh, was the thing when we when we watched them as well we were like oh T1 are pretty good on Haven but they keep they're banning it every series but mm -hmm. they were actually pretty good on it when we finally saw them yeah. playing it. I think a lot of this game in terms of the map veto comes down to just a game of chicken over Icebox. Yeah. Like yep. because I do agree with you. I think that even though T1 aren't that great at split, 100 thieves just I don't know. Do they do they even play that map? They they their uh, results are their Norton Seven on split, but I can't even remember when they played it. To be honest, they played against Envy Sentinels, Cloud Nine, TSM, yeah. Homeless, Phase, and T One. So they they actually played against T One on it, but that yeah. was uh, that was ages ago. Oh, actually, no, that was like T One Nerd Street Gamers in June. Yeah, like, yeah, that was so long ago. <laughs> that's, that's yeah, that is too. some horse shit yeah. stuff. You don't even know what hundred thieves are going to be practicing behind the scenes either. Like if exactly, you're so, right? That's the thing yeah. that's yeah. tricky too. Is like hundred thieves could also be playing split and. And making that a, a strong map for them so you could like fall into that as well it's hard to yeah. know because like i doubt these teams have yeah. practiced against each other in a while so yeah i i so, mean yeah and it, even in a world where bind haven and descent all get played this is still a really tough map uh yeah. match to call yeah i mean bind I, I think you have to call bind and ascent as both teams best two maps from what we've seen so far i feel yeah i, I, I so. mean uh, it's almost yeah. certainly we're gonna see both of those maps being played as well i mean mm. it's so at the very least, that is making for a, a damn interesting series. I mean, that's, mm. you're going to see probably the best of both teams on at least two of the maps. Uh, who, who are you predicting, Shinobi? So if I name. think if Ascent's in the pool, I think 100 Thieves will win if Ascent is played. Like, I think 100 Thieves will win 2-1. Okay. If Ascent's not in the map pool, I think T1 will win, in my opinion. Let's go over 100 Thieves moving forward then. Uh, and then the last game we need to predict is Sentinels 
versus Face Clan, and I Kurt's worked. He's cooked up something in the lab while we were gone. Oh, we were talking. Look at this. I mean, he's just. He's. I think he's got every possibility. He's fucking Doctor Strange. It. He's got. He's. <laughs> he's, cooked, he's cooked up every possible bracket we could have. Sentinels Face Clan. Uh, I mean. It, does anyone want to play devil's advocate and, and argue for FaZe Clan here? I know they've been making some improvements, but I, I can't see them taking the win over, over Sentinels. I think they have somewhat of an all right matchup here in terms of like style. I think sure. FaZe want to be like pushing and playing against an aggro team that's going to give them aim duels a lot. And they, you know, in the world in which Sentinels lose this, it's because it's because they're giving them too many ego duels and phase are winning that's the only world where i yeah. see sentinels losing this is that occasionally when sentinels start losing they just their individual players try and make more and more plays in order to recover them and if phase are really like on point i can see a world in which they might be able to scrape through 2-1 but phase would have to be individually playing like better than they've ever played i think in order to win this series and and sentinels would have to like mentally collapse themselves into that place where they just take aim duels constantly um I, I don't really see it happening though i think it's the least likely of all of the quarterfinals to uh to end in an upset yeah no no complaints here if we want to just I, shift it along yeah i, I to, to just a hard agree with everything you just said so. yeah do we do we want to make predictions for the semis into the into the ground fuck finals. it yeah. yeah i mean let's, let's just make it, it quick because i yeah. mean who the hell knows what's happening hypothetical matches yeah mvtsm what do we think let's just let's just i don't even want to hear justification shinobi what are you predicting <laughs> yeah I'll go, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll go t i'll go tsm 2-1 okay Ooh, tsm 2-1 wow. oh, that's yeah. interesting josh what are you going with i'm going with envy i think i think envy uh Looking like the better team at the moment. Yeah, well, I, I'm giving that an Envy 2-1. Yeah. I, 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 I'll just say, I think Envy are the better team, but I just like to be the bad guy. So I'll, I'll go with you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, yeah, tough luck. I'm going to go Envy as well. So there you go. It's, uh, there's no tiebreaker. Under Thieves, Sentinels. Mm. I've got what an important question for you, though. Is Dapper on the claws? Because that is going to influence... It is, is that on the claws in the main event? On, <laughs> on, fucking, on a Friday on afternoon? Does he have a claw addiction on a Friday afternoon? And are they running Sinatra on jet? Because oh, if, if, I, if both of those yeah. are not true, then yeah. I think Sentinels wins this. Yeah. I think Sentinels yeah. as well. Gotta give it to Sentinels. Yeah, I, Though, I do think there's potential. Made. Yeah, there is, an argument. Is there is an argument to be made for 100 Thieves. For sure. But I What's don't think argument? Dapper being on White Claws is one of them. <laughs> I don't, no, I don't I mean, think that's even an option. No, I think, though, that Sentinels would have to be, like... To, to me, Sentinels at the moment are still existing in my head as the number one team because I'm giving them a pass in, like, the qualifier stage and thinking that they're going to have ramped up their game pretty significantly, like, in yeah. terms of the prep work that they've done, in terms of how coordinated they look, sick playing a lot more... Put it, just putting more, literally more time into Breach and raise because... Nothing is wrong with that guy's individual skill, but like a bit of utility usage and uh, positioning on the breach and then a little bit more utility on the, the raise as well. And that team is going to be pretty elite again, yeah. I think. It's, it's funny because I was watching uh, Sentinels on, I was like doing a VOD review on my stream and I was watching Sick on the raise and like, he just looks so like visibly uncomfortable playing the agent, mm. like in terms of how he moves with the blastbacks, but he's yeah. just so, 
good. Like he's just yeah, so he insane that like he's like jumping in a straight line in the air with uh, with the raised satchel. Oh, he's like not moving at all. Time. He's just like mowing everybody down, just like dominating. <laughs> yeah. He's he's yeah. like twenty four and six or something in this game that I'm watching and. But like the way he's using the the blast packs is just so funny. Like he's never played the agent, but yeah. he's just so good that yeah. it doesn't even matter. Yeah, just pencil jumping all it's, over the place. It is also <laughs> the way that we've printed this bracket is really unfortunate for Envy because like I I think that Envy have a bit of a mental block when it comes to Sentinels, and I think that the styles match up pretty poorly for them as well. Sentinels seem to eat the Envy aggression alive, and the map pool doesn't match up well for them either. I think that 100 Thieves Sentinels almost needs to go the other way for Envy to secure this win. Like I if, agree. If, yeah. if if Hastro wants the, what is it, triple title or something that he's running for, having just won the Rocket League Championship Series as well, like if he wants to be able to get this victory, he needs to, I don't, he needs to invest some money into the 100 Thieves practice. Uh, he, he needs to go and bulk up his competition <laughs> in order to ensure that they make the grand final. You'd, yeah, I you don't you don't see them winning in the finals here. I mean, yeah, if if, if I mean, Sentinels... I think it's possible, but it's it's not been done before, and it seems like Envy always performs sure. worse against Sentinels. The I think the thing that's really interesting is because Hundred Thieves and Sentinels are on the same side of the bracket. I think Envy's best chance to win is actually if Hundred Thieves beat Sentinels in the semis, because I think Envy will beat yeah. Hundred Thieves if they play. Uh, I can pretty confidently yes. I think Envy will win, but I think against Sentinels, I think. They just have, the, like, from the, the games that I've seen in the past, I think Sentinels have always had the edge on, on Envy. That's not to say that that can't change, because Envy are, are really good. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they won the whole thing. But I think you, if this was the bracket, I yeah. think I favor Sentinels to win. Do you think uh, uh, the, the fact that the finals is best of five, like the first legitimate best of five we've seen in a while, is like, do you think that has any sort of say in it? Because we're going to be seeing yeah. every single map being played. So maybe, I mean, maybe I, I, maybe, I don't, know. I don't know what maps Envy have been prioritizing or practicing, but yeah. I know Sentinels can play all five maps. Right. Okay. So. Well, there you go. We heard it here first. Yeah. Sentinels win everything. Yeah. I mean, S Sentinels have been bragging about how good their, <laughs> uh, their icebox is as well, which might just be all fucking hot air, but yeah. I think they're the kind of team that would actually perform really well on icebox because a lot of it is like yeah. defensive aggression. Yeah. It's a lot of like taking aim duels. Their players are cracked. I, like, I, I, I think that team would just be really good there. I also I think agree. Envy arguably could be too. Yeah. I, the map pool is just shite though when these two teams yeah. face off because Envy are a really good team on split, but Sentinels are probably the best in NA on split. Mm -hmm. And so they, they struggle there. Envy aren't as good on Haven, even though Sentinels have historically been kind of weak there. So Sentinels get that map every single time as well. And Ascent just never even gets reached in these map pools. Like, but by the time you even get to Ascent, Envy have already lost, uh, even if they're able to claw that back. So the, the, the problem is getting through bind honestly for envy like that that to me is the big one like if they have figured out how to make uh food and caboose excellent on bind and they can sneak a win over sentinels which is difficult anyway because those b hits for sentinels where sinatra's just running through are mm. so nasty good but if you can if you can figure out a good plan for bind mm -hmm. then you could potentially sneak out a win yep. here i think i think envy should look to a i think that's like the one map like if they were going to do the pick order, I think Ascent is like the map that Envy should try to play early. And if they work on Haven, I think that they can... Mm. Like Ascent and Haven, I think, are the two maps that Envy need to win in this series. Like Icebox is going to be 
who knows? Like, I have no idea yeah, what will yeah. happen. I mean, it goes to five maps, but like, I think Sentinels. I mean, Split is like also kind of fifty-fifty. I think because both these teams are are good on Split. Um, and it'll come down. I think for Sentinels is like how much have they changed their their split? Because like the times I've seen them play in these recent qualifiers, it's like the same look Sentinels that I saw is, yeah. three months ago, right? So like that's kind of an advantage for Envy if Sentinels don't change and like based on the information that I've seen, it's like, it doesn't look like Sentinels are too pressed about really changing a lot of things on that map. Obviously they can, there's nothing like preventing them from doing so. But yeah, I think from what I've watched, I think Sentinels look really, really good on like bind and yeah, bind and like split. The other two maps are good on, but I think that like Envy can, can win those like Haven in a set. Interesting. Mm. So Sentinels, Sentinels win it all. Is like the general consensus here for for first strike in North America. Let's do EU. Um, I, I kind of want to kind of I don't want I don't want to say briefly go over it, but we're going to be I think speeding up a little bit. We're giving it the same sort of treatment that the rest of the world gives EU, <laughs> just like kind of <laughs> looking over it a little bit, not really uh, paying too much attention. But the EU bracket, do we have the actual complete seeding? The yeah, round ones yeah. for, for the first we first round. By the way, yeah. this was done. I don't know whether North America was done the same, but they just they took all of the people that got through the first qualifier, and then they just randomly assigned teams that got through the second qualifier. Yeah, that's Which, really? that, yeah, that's not how they did it in in NA. Yeah, so no, again, no. EU, EU just comes up with yeah. new ways of fucking shit up. Yes. NA like, was uh, seeding all the way, so winning the yeah. second qualifier yeah. got your matchup from the first qualifier. Yeah, so that's how we've ended with this bracket, where Nolpenki and Purple Cobras are on the same side of the bracket, uh, and Summon have got Purple Cobras. So Summon have got like a, not a bye, because they are the, the weaker of the, the top four mm. teams, but they, they've got a... A pretty easy road to the semifinals, and FPX have got an easy road to the grand finals. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. can you can you zoom in a little bit, Kurt? I can't read. <laughs> Just in general, okay. That works. Thank you. Okay, there you go. By the way, for anyone wondering who's watching at home, Orglas are the team Prodigy team. They just Prodigy are an agency that are trying to like represent their players, and so it's just it's just a team made up of the. People who don't aren't signed to an organization at the moment. That's why Prodigy as a team so always they, cycles. Did they change their name so to Orglus just to make it, just to not confuse potential yep. sponsors? Yeah, yep. To make it yeah. sure that it's perfectly clear these guys do not have an org. <laughs> sign them, they're good. Literally, right. that's the only reason. Plus, it's not even like you have to sign this full team. It's like they're an agency. They don't give a fuck whether you sign the full team or whether you sign like three of them and then three guys they have on the 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 bench. Like, yeah, they're just. They just want these guys to, to get signed, to get out. Right, let's, let's start with the beginning. Team Liquid, Team Heretics. I've got undying loyalty to Team Liquid for some reason. Um, I, so, I mean, I would, I would assume that this match would be going their way. This uh, is easily the most competitive game in the first round of First Strike that I've seen across any region. Yeah. Like, this, this is absurd because... And the law, the Bible. Yeah, I mean, Li Liquid, we haven't even seen enough of them with their new team. Like, there's been one broadcasted game of them playing with Scream I have on faith Jet. In them, Josh. One, <laughs> one game of them playing with Scream yeah. on Jet. They've been winning all the BO1s against teams, which is good because Liquid are historically a team that actually gets upset in BO1s by low level teams. But uh, Heretics are extremely dangerous. They have 
ex they have mega high individual skill across the board. They've got a really interesting style where they use a lot of utility. They're still running Sage on every map. Um, I, this I, I don't know how to call this game. It's impossible. Yeah, there. Uh, this would be yeah. This would be perceived as upset potential, and if you do want to frame it that way, there is just an excess of upset potential oozing out of heretics. Like they they absolutely could win this, which would I think surprise most. Uh, yeah, most the thing is though, sure, because we just it, haven't it, seen much from heretics. It might not even be an upset. That's the thing. Right, that's like, what I there mean. There isn't though. enough yeah. data yeah. to even know whether that would be an upset or whether we should consider heretics to be the better team. I, we just haven't, there's not enough game tape to be able to look over to tell exactly. whether Liquid or Heretics are better. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm inclined to bet on Heretics here. Yeah, I I haven't seen any Heretics games. I only know, like I know Lowell and, and Nuki from, from CS and they're both, mm. they were both really good players. Uh, um, but the other three guys I'm not familiar with. So I just have, I have to go with Liquid just because of like the little that I know. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised like, if heretics could win the game i just i have no idea for this one to be honest i, I, I don't know. i'm stammering i'm stammering i don't know what to call I, I i mean it is really tough i might go liquid i'm at like a 57 percent to 43 percent if i'm really trying to Jesus break it Lord. down <laughs> so i'm gonna give it to liquid uh -huh. by the slimmest of margins um, by the way okay. let me so all time heretics have not played against any, you know, major teams. They've had like BO1 against NIP and you know, the rest of their wins are over people like giants need more DM. They've won a bunch of tier two tournaments, but they are 12 and zero on bind 14 and zero on Haven and then six and one on ascent. So like they have been crushing people at that kind of, uh, level, like the level of consistencies extreme yeah i i uh, i i think based off of i don't know i just think liquid would take this undying one undying yeah undying loyalty to, to team liquid scream to to the uk players and scream yeah, yeah. uh I, and also just i think i have a lot of faith in the kind of vision that sliggy as a coach has for this team um and their kind of philosophy when it comes to uh, i think just tackling the game uh, as a whole like they, they, we're heading into a new patch this team seems very prepared for new patches whenever they come yep. up they, they seem to put a lot yeah. of emphasis on adaptability um so i think liquid should have the advantage here his here's my my pitch though map map veto selection liquid mm -hmm. get the first ban what do they ban i don't know bind haven ascent something like that maybe they ban icebox actually to start with Heretics, I think, immediately just banned Split because it's Liquid's best map and Heretics never play it. And now you have a wonderful map pool for Heretics. Yeah. And you've banned sure. the best map for, for Liquid. I mean, the way I, I, I look just, at this is... I think this is prime for Liquid to go out and people be molding about like, oh, Liquid get upset again. Oh, they, they can never make it deep when actually people don't understand like Heretics are fucking look, good. Look at this fucking bracket as well, though. Look at, the, look at who's below them, G2 and all yeah. this. Like, oh, yeah it's this is yeah, absurd like in terms of the it's very lopsided <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it's very because they did random allocation of opponents <laughs> yeah but yeah, uh 
I, I, I think we should predict. It is so tragic, honestly. We, given yeah, given how little really game is. tape there is, given how little game tape there is, I think we should predict up to the semis and maybe just leave it and give people games to watch in our predictions. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Because it's because beyond that, it is just pure fucking. We are just throwing darts blindfolded. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Like, uh, so wait, are we, are we going? Go, no, no, I want to go with Liquid. Heretics. We should put Liquid in the semis. Yeah, we'll, I put, go we'll put Liquid there. But if Heretics win, people shouldn't be surprised. You Kurt, shouldn't be Kurt's rushing to your fan. favorite forum. And <laughs> yeah, and, and like, for example, there's no reason to blow up Team Liquid if they don't make the semifinals, yeah. you know? Yeah, like, that's what I mean. Don't, don't overreact. If the, if, they if would they go lose. out in fifth to eighth, but they're definitely a better team than Orglis, Purple Cobras, and No Pinky. So don't worry about yeah. it. They're like a worst case fifth best in G two and Orglis. Yeah, I mean, I mean you have to go with G two. I think G two winning. Yeah, uh, yeah, in this scenario, like G two, just Even, they're so well rounded across the, like yeah. so many weeks of competition. Uh, it's, it's Even Orglis's best map as well is also G 2s best map. So yeah. that's a An really unfortunate tough situation for Orglis. Yeah, it's unfortunate because I would say Orglis are probably like the fourth best team in this bracket, right? Like, and Ye I think they're gonna probably get eighth place. Like, I from what I've watched of of Orglis play, like I, I thought they were pretty good. I haven't seen too much, but Happy's been really good. I think on like the yeah, race. he has. And, uh, they they have some good pieces. Like I know I know Pipson. He was a he was actually a coach in in CS. Uh, mm. But their, their whole team, like they're they're pretty good and. Uh, I think it's unfortunate for the G2 matchup. I think they could maybe get a map, but I, I think G2 will win. Yeah. Pretty, pretty I, confidently. Yeah, I think it's pretty rough uh, for Orglis. Like, I think they had upset potential against many of the other teams that they could have gone up against here. Yeah. They have pretty decent yeah. upset potential against Liquid. They definitely could have beaten Summon FC. Um, I don't really think that, yeah. like, playing against FPX would have been reasonable, but those two teams, yeah. that's, like, half of the potential opponents that they yeah. really could have beaten, and... Uh, yeah, they just happen to run into G2. All right. Um, football Club versus Purple Cobras. This is... <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> oh, God. no idea. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, that's... I mean, yeah. I look at this bracket, and that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Honestly. I mean, yeah. It's I mean, just... I asked... Yeah. I asked Josh what he thought of Purple Cobras, and he was like, short answer, not good. Long answer, not that good. And I was like, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Like, yeah, that, yeah, I mean, that's genuinely what I think, though. It's like Purple Cobras are where, in my opinion, where you watch the tape of European teams and it starts to fall down quite a bit. So, like, yeah. down to the Purple Cobras, which is maybe um, maybe 15th, something like that, in Europe, you know, if I was to roughly, roughly say where they are in the rankings, up to that point, things are looking pretty solid. And then once you get down to like Purple Cobras and Olpenki, who obviously most people wouldn't rate as top eight teams in Europe, they'd have them much further down, especially actually when you consider like, I'm still ranking like Turkish and CIS teams in there as well, which isn't quite fair for this tournament. But, you know, as Europe as a whole, it yeah. seems to drop off a little bit once you get to that point. So I just, I just don't really see how they would win. I think Nolpenki have the bigger upset potential, even if they're playing against FPX, but it's still there. It's yeah, it's very I mean, minimal. Yeah, it's so minimal. FPX are just going to eat them up. Full yeah. snack. They're just going to aggress into the jaws of FPX. I really like That's... FPX as a team. Yeah, I oh, do yeah. too. I want to see some uh, some Angel Viper on Bind. That's what I want to watch. Oh, yeah, yeah they're, uh, they're just this, I think they're a really nice team in terms of just their mid-rounds and they have, they have yeah. great game plans and executes. 
I really like yeah. FPX. I am interested to see whether FPX pull out something weird again, like that Viper comp. I, I don't think we've ever seen... The way that Angel thinks about it, actually, he just did an interview with Immortal Minds as well, which was really interesting, where he was talking about, like, from his point of view, he believes that Viper should be played as the main smoker of a team, because otherwise you're giving up too much. I'll tell you right now, I've watched all the Viper VODs the top teams played. No one else has that opinion. Yep. No one else has that same opinion. Like, everyone else just believes that you're too limited with what you can do as Viper if you have to be, like, the guy that smokes everything off. Because then you're you're wasting all of your Viper util on just doing what you could have done with a uh, an Omen and get more value out of it anyway. So it's such a weird way of thinking about the game, but it works for FPX because it allows Shout to play the Duelist again. Like, instead of being a secondary supportive player, you now have this guy who used to be the, the star player of Party Pirates who just comes out and reminds everyone why he's such a god and just plays a phoenix and owned. I don't know. There's something really creative and interesting about FPX. They think about the game so differently to everyone else. Um, you want to... I, I, don't, I don't think we should do predictions past semis. I feel like it's disingenuous. We've seen so I, little. I, I actually... I think if these are the semis, the predictions... Are pretty obvious though. Pretty pretty here, evident, yeah. right? G two yeah. and FPX in the finals. Yeah. 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 I, I think the final that we deserve. I, I think that the thing is FPX have literally got a free road to the final because yeah. Yeah. some NFC are like baby FPX. They play a very similar style. They're a little more explosive, <laughs> but they they're they're like baby FPX. Yeah. And I don't see them winning that matchup because you're you're more favored if you play someone with a totally different style that you can try and counter or work against, or something like that. I mean, Kurtz, I, Kurtz I, we know who Kurtz rooting for. Just going to put it out there. <laughs> Seems like G2. Uh, I, 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 would I be... just think this bracket is an absolute joke. Like, are you kidding me? Like, Ooh. I, I, I yeah. mean, you guys have already talked about it enough, but like, yeah. really? Why would you randomize the seeds after doing <laughs> tournaments for the seeding? Agree, agree. Yeah. It really is just I, a tragedy. I think, though, that this is the tournament for FPX. I, I really believe think, in FPX. You think I FPX think that, are going to take it? Yeah, I think FPX okay. win this one. I think that um, G2 are still figuring out <laughs> what their new style is right now. They've got a much better handle on it than um, than some other teams. They still know what the style is, but they haven't quite got there yet. And unless that, unless that, that has uh, made some significant development across the past couple of weeks i think fbx have just got a head start like they knew what they wanted to play in the meta they've been constantly refining they've even worked out like yeah. weird comps that they want to play i think this is the time for fbx to win the tournament i'm not happy with that if other people are i yeah i i, I think i would have predicted the same honestly though obviously again it's super close super close yeah. final it could go either way but yeah i think this is finally the moment for fbx yeah. Any comments? Any final words here, Shinobi, before we move on from EU? No, I think I think FPX them are, as a region. I think I think FPX are great. I I like watching them play, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I hope they win the series. But do you ever do you ever look at like the European teams and other stuff and try and incorporate or like I know obviously that a lot of people have been watching Korea, 
because those visions, or at least they've been watching other people who've watched Korea. It's like a game of, uh, it's yeah. like a game of whispers where, yeah, you know, they're like, oh, this vision strikers has a really cool strat. And then the next NA team picks it up and they're like, oh, this NA team has a really good strat. And then eventually it boils down to the point where T1 are like flashing through a lamppost in tiles where it doesn't catch anyone. And they're like, <laughs> hmm, this is, you know, I can see the inspiration here came from Vision Strikers, but I can't understand how it got to this point. It's been mangled and mutated mm. as it went from team to team. <laughs> anyway, my point was, I know that teams in NA have watched some Vision Strikers play, yeah. but do they? Do you and how, do you know of others that draw inspiration from other areas of the world? No, uh, I don't. I don't really know. I, I feel like the NA teams they kind of just copy other NA teams. I don't. I don't really see like a lot of teams doing like things I see outside of like the vision strikers strats. Like I don't see like a lot of NA teams copying like the EU play style as much. Um, like everybody in NA loves Phoenix and, and plays Phoenix. And I think that that like a I think NA is like way more aggressive in terms of like how they want to play the rounds out where like yeah. EU seems a little more methodical, slower paced. Um, not always obviously, but yeah. And like for us, it was mostly just like, we watch other regions for, for inspiration, but we never like, we're like, let's take that and just like copy and break it down. We try to like understand like why this might work and then try to fit it into like our play style against like the teams that we're playing against. Cause just cause something is good, like, and it works in like a specific region. It's like not always going to just work one-to-one -one against a different play style, right? You need to have like adaptations. And that's kind of like why we just draw inspiration from those things. How much Korean first strike has everybody watched? Like, I haven't I... watched any. Yeah, all so of the Korean little. first strike at the moment has just been good teams playing against bad teams. Bad teams I, right, there, yeah. there has because we, there wasn't any big, uh, like group stage or qualifier or something like that. The the teams literally the top teams haven't even played against each other yet once. Crazy hamster. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a team. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so we are we expecting Vision Strikers to take this? This this event is that is that because it, every time we talk about vision strikers every week it seems like the region is steadily catching up to them slowly but surely they're yeah. getting closer I mean, and closer and closer to, to to an extent like I think Cloud Nine Korea they should beat Crazy Hamster and then there should you be some know. upset potential there against Vision Strikers I think it's possible they win that um, yeah though actually I still favor Vision Strikers a bit I do think Cloud Nine Korea but but they've got yeah, a pretty good yeah. chance. Yeah, Cloud9 Korea have got a, a really improved individual roster since yeah. I think the last time that they played against them. Um, so th there is some serious potential for them to do work. The problem is that they haven't had the most dominant run ever through the qualifiers. So, you know, they, they lost to Quantum Strikers. They had a 2-1 game against Lunatic High. So it's not like Cloud9 Korea have changed their roster and suddenly just been rolling everyone and you're, you know, you're feeling really excited about the chance of two big super teams meeting. It's like Cloud9 Korea do look better than the last time they played, but are they good enough to be able to take down Vision Strikers? That definitely still remains to be seen. But that semifinal, you should definitely tune in for because not only is it a great potential match but even if it isn't the korean teams love to like save set strats for these big games and so you just know that there's been months of prep time now where cloud nine and vision strikers are gonna use those set strats in that semi so even if the game itself is shite you'll still see new things and like development of of different set plays so 
it, yeah, even if the game is bad, you should definitely tune in and watch. I mean, it is at fucking midnight on December the fifth. Who do you watch it anyway? Yeah, who who are the favorites then coming in to to literally be in the finals? I mean, Vision Probably. Strikers, Cloud Nine, Korea. T1 well, Korea, I think on the lower. Yeah, bracket. I mean, if you look at the very bottom there, ANG Dark Horse, this match. is the best quarterfinal. Yeah, this is a, sure. the only good quarterfinal, honestly, is between ANG Dark Horse and T1 Korea. ANG Dark Horse are a team that has made it through a lot of the like BO1 format pretty consistently. They look like a, a pretty solid roster. But uh, T1 Korea, to me, are like the definition of a team that saves it up for the big games. So. Mm. Uh, I don't know. And also TNL Esports, that's the old Quantum Strikers. Those guys were the sister team of Vision Strikers. And they just got signed by an organization because they were they were like way too good to be a sister team. They're yeah. arguably the second best team in Korea. And they were the sister team to Vision Strikers. So uh, the, the whole bottom half of the bracket, if you just follow T1 Korea and ANG Dark Horse, should be really good all the way through. Interesting. Okay, let's move over to Brazil uh, as a region. This is like, in, in my mind, it feels, this is kind of, uh, I don't know, it's all over the place because there's so many good teams at any moment oh, sorry. on this main event. Be before we move on, though, did you, know, did you guys know that the Korean playoffs are on LAN? Oh, they are. Oh, they yeah. are. Yeah, I heard yeah. that they were so, possibly going yeah. to be. So Brazil is on LAN. We knew that for a while. Yeah. And Korea, they just announced, I think like almost exactly a week ago, that they're going to be held on LAN in Seoul. So all of those playoff games, you're going to be able to like tune in, see all of the players, see them play against each other. It's going to be a LAN environment. We'll see how that affects the players. There's like so much more upset potential because certain players might be onliners. And this is like a totally different environment for them to be able to play in. So yeah. I, I think that would be pretty... It's, it's also only got 40 seats because of coronavirus yeah so there's only I mean, 40 still people a live audience. there but it's, it's pretty, still yeah yeah it's still pretty awesome. sick i mean the rewards of a society that takes covid seriously it's kind of it's kind of crazy yeah. yeah um that is pretty cool yeah all right brazil as a region this is this is kind of crazy actually i'm really excited for for first strike brazil because i feel like there are so many opportunities for <laughs> For just upsets and fucking mental gameplay across the board. Like you've got Game Landers, uh, B4. Uh, what is that? What did Fusion Fraggers change? Yeah, in? they became Vorax. Vorax. They got signed by Vorax. Yeah, they got um, signed by Vorax, but they kept their title sponsor of Fusion, so they yeah. just kind of fused the names. Yeah, I mean, this is this is. I, I think it, it's going to be pretty fun to watch. If anything, it's going to be fun. Oh yeah, think, every single one of these games in the quarterfinals is a good game. Every yeah. single one of them. Like yeah. there, there's some that are, you know, where you have extreme favorites, like Vorax Fusion are definitely favored. They're like arguably, well, where would you put them? Like second best probably in Brazil. Well, I don't and even know who you'd have as number one right eight, now in Brazil. Well, exactly. How do you even do the yeah. rankings? Also, Brazil has been running a lot of um, tournaments at the same time as First Strike is going on. So these teams have been like, They've been playing tournaments for money at the same time as playing tournaments for qualification. And so you have like a lot of information about like which teams are actually coming up in the scene. Like this Imperial team at the bottom is really on the come up as well. They've been uh, they've been winning a lot of decent games. Yeah. The semifinals though are gonna be you're right. Christ. Yeah, I don't know. Just an explosion in my building or something. The semifinals are gonna be actually pretty ridiculous though like if you look at I, I don't know probably game landers if i had to say versus b4 i think they'll beat team one but like game landers versus b4 is a sick game 
pain gaming versus uh, fusion. That's a ridiculous game. I've, yeah, genuinely some insane games in this bracket. Um, if you haven't uh, gotten a chance to watch Brazilian Valorant much, mm -hmm. it's ridiculous levels of skill. Uh, I mean, the individual skill in the scene is just out of control. But yeah, this is actually one of the... This might be the best bracket of all of them, to some extent. Yeah. Just in terms of how close the games are going to be. Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 the, this one's going to be awesome. Like, it's, it's going to be insane. All right. Uh, th there's other topics in our run of show, um, but I'm gonna uh, I'm just gonna answer a couple of the common questions here. We got one of them: Should the classic right click be removed? Yes, is the answer. Um, <laughs> does running while spraying need a nerf? Yes, is the answer. And we're on our final topic, which is uh, why it's weekly award. So, oh, I, I yeah. think they should keep the right click classic. I like jumping around and. I think it should be nerfed. It I don't like the fact that I, I have won yeah. eco rounds off the back of it. Like it's, I, I, mean, I don't know. I think it's okay to win. My problem is like when one method of shooting the gun is always the best method. Like yeah. I think that's the problem is yeah. like even at mid range, you're yeah. never going to be wanting to like. Is your weekly award the classic? Like, does no. it go to the classic? No, it doesn't. Okay. What is your, what does Wyatt's weekly award go to? Oh, okay, my weekly award this week. Um, I'm going to give it to someone who uh, stepped up the past two weeks, really. Uh-huh. Um, deserves a little credit. And uh, that man is Android for Manbox. Oh. Not only did he tie the uh, record for most kills in a game with 41 against NRG while playing with a coach, just trying to drag his team over the finish line <laughs> in one of the most ridiculous performances we've seen in professional Valorant. Yeah, I mean, ab just an incredible performance then. Um, and then the next week to come back and just slam. I mean, Anbox just slams throughout pretty much the entirety of this NSG tournament. They, they dropped one or two maps, but mm -hmm. Android's stats were just ridiculous. Like a .99 kills per round, 174 ADR, just actually slammed. Mm. Um, so I think he, he definitely deserves some credit. He's been on fire for that team for the past couple of weeks. And it was also nice that Anbox, you know, despite it being obviously not as, I don't, the, the Nerd Street Monthly, not as prestigious as First Strike, but it, it is nice for them to have an opportunity so soon after the unfortunate situation with Poach to actually show yeah. what they're made of again and Android just playing out of control yet again. So. Yeah. I mean, it's so unfortunate for Ironbox overall, though, because I, it's a similar situation to Immortals, but Immortals managed to kind of get through with the help of Shanks, whereas, uh, you know, Ironbox tried, but they just couldn't quite make it over the line with uh, with Warden, with their coach playing. But I saw people on Reddit saying this, and I'm inclined to agree as well, is that I think Ironbox would have made the main event if they had been able to play with their full roster. Like, yeah. they... They seem like they are a top eight team in North America. Um, it's hard to rank them there at the moment because they don't actually have the the wins. But just when you look at how they play and you look at the um, level of performance that they're able to put out and the coordination between their players, they they seem like they're in that caliber. Yeah, they they really do. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to see more of them in the future. And I like as I mean credit to the team as well. They they just have a they have a an excellent system that puts Android in prime position to be a star player as well. Like, they, they seem like a very selfless team. Um, like, they, mm. they do put the actual teamwork 
first. Um, like the players aren't particularly concerned about um, like trying to make individual plays. Like they they really are setting him up to succeed, and he takes advantage of it. Yeah. All right, cool. Let's wrap the episode. I mean, I'm I'm down to go, take a nap. I'm fucking tired. Um, <laughs> yeah. Thanks for joining us, Shinobi. It's uh, yeah. it's been a pleasure. Yeah, I've been appreciating your your insight as well. It's been nice to have a pro player on and uh, and get that kind of extra additional insight, I suppose, into like the North American scene we wouldn't get normally. Uh, where is there any like socials that I guess? Well, actually, your socials are right below you right now on a lower <laughs> third, so you don't even need to shout them out. Go follow Shinobi on social media. Yeah. Um, I don't. I listen. I'm struggling with rapping this. Can I? Can we just end it here? <laughs> or can, do I need to? Do I need to say something else? Like leave a comment or a like or something. I don't know. Thanks for watching. Bye. <laughs>